After 17 years of looking, today FBI agents think they may have finally had a look at the Unabomber. Late this afternoon, Ted Kaczynski was taken from his backwoods cabin, leaving folks in the nearby town of Lincoln stunned. Just not the guy that I would think would be the Unabomber. Locals say Kaczynski has lived here for about 18 years in his cabin down a dirt road. Today, the FBI sealed the area off as they searched his property. Those who have gone to his place say it has no indoor plumbing, no electricity, that he grew his own vegetables, and had scores of books. Gene Udarian went there as a census taker and found a pleasant but reserved man. Reclusive, hermit type, you know. Uh, he didn't go out of his way to make friends or anything like that, you know. He wasn't a, what you would call a social person. When he came to town, always alone, Kaczynski, who did not own a car, rode a bicycle. One of his favorite stops, the library. There, people say, he told them he was a Vietnam veteran living on a pension. Former librarian Beverly Coleman says he often wore army green or camouflage clothing and had unusual taste. You know, I mean, he didn't read like the normal junk the rest of us read. The other place he was frequently seen, the post office. live and then i can edit this shit too so yeah if need be like if you need to pick your boogers or something like Hell that yeah get that going so. <laughs> all right gotta pick a wedgie out or whatnot so we'll see the key the way you get around that is you just don't wear underwear free balling baby free balling i can't uh, do that man um sometimes i don't like washing my pants so <laughs> i ain't trying to have crusticles i was gonna say you get, well okay it, yeah there's certain lifestyle changes you gotta make you know what i mean but it's gonna be back, guys. It's gonna be back. <laughs> so, do you want to tell everybody where you've been, sir? Like, did you fucking scavenge the lands of Nova Scotia to fucking find the fucking hidden lost ark, or dude, what? Dude, I went to go because I knew that the ring was inside of the volcano Isavitsa, the one that blew up a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, and like, I count, yeah. That. Fucking went in there. I was in there for a couple of weeks and whatnot. And when I found out that the Lord of the Rings was bullshit and what took place in New Zealand, and realized I was in the wrong hemisphere altogether. I was just pissed off, so I just came back. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's badass. Glad to have you back, man. <laughs> yeah, that and I worked way too much. Oh, okay. That's true. I, was, I, got the call. I got the call last night. I worked six hours yesterday. So yesterday was a Saturday. I'm supposed to work Monday through Friday, four to uh, four, uh, 8 to 4.30. So I worked yesterday, of course, for six hours, and then they called me at 11.20 at night and asked me to come in to do a couple of signatures. And so, you know, that's kind of the lifestyle I've been living lately. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. Now you know how it is to be a federal agent. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my life, sir. (laughs) Anyways, we got a lot of big news this week. I guess uh, this is going to be an official news bomb drop as well. So we're probably going to have a fourth member to the podcast. Not necessarily a fourth co-host, but a fourth individual in the background, probably around February 2nd. So... If you aren't my friend on oh, Facebook, Keith. <laughs> nah, this this motherfucker, he, <laughs> oh, yeah. he just here to What's fucking. Up, Keith? I'm just here hanging out. Yes, sir. Yeah, so about February, about February second, uh, there should be a new addition to the Pixton household. If you haven't heard yet, Jacob Pixton is gonna be Papa. Oh Pixton. my God, oh, Papa Pixton! Officially, so. congratulations, sir. And to think, Art said it would never happen and that you were sterile. <laughs> I did too. Like, like the first thing that popped in my mind was like. Hell yeah, my dick works. <laughs> you know what? 
I believe you. I, <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, for a while, I was like, well, I guess it's just not meant to be for me, man. Like just shooting with some blanks. Yeah. Right? And I was like, let's have some fun with this. And so fun turned into like, hey, guess what? And the way she did it, too, is like the funniest way to like ever be told like, hey, you're going to be a dad. So I'm on the phone, I think like with one of you two, and we were talking about something. And uh, she's all up in my face. Not with me. I don't use the phone. That's true. So it had to have been <laughs> somebody here Eric. at this table. He's at work. I think, I think it was Keith because I, call, I called you after the fact. Oh, no, because nobody knew about um, about what happened until after I got off the phone. So I was on the phone with somebody, right? Oh, okay. And she's all up in my face. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, what, why are why are we why are you all up in my face? Why aren't you like Facebooking or fucking taking pictures of the puppy or whatnot, right? And so she's like, hey, you left some chicken in the oven, and I'm like, fuck, I've done that before, where I'm like meal prepping for the week, and I <laughs> accidentally burn my fucking ten pounds of chicken that I'm cooking, and I'm like, holy fuck, I had just made chicken last night, and I do not remember cutting it up at all. And I'm like, oh my god. So I rush to the oven, and I open it up, and I just see a hamburger bun, and I'm like. Okay, what? And she goes, open it. Oh. <laughs> and it was a hamburger bun with a pregnancy test. Or no, three pregnancy tests in it. And I turn around and she's crying. And I'm like, oh, shit. Are you mad at me? <laughs> she's like, no, we're are pregnant. You, are you mad at me? Oh, my God. <laughs> dude, I would have been mad. I would have been like, dude, you just wasted that bun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said too. I was just like, "You did not oh, just waste this bun. You're gonna eat this in front of me before we continue." <laughs> First of all, fuck that. Anything for a good pun is amazing. You yeah. got a bun in the oven that is fantastic. I've spent way more money on way stupider <laughs> puns in my years. That is wonderful. Also, you're you're what? You're 34. 34. You're fucking. You 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 got a steady job. You got. You're not like some 19 year old dick who's like. And your first yeah. reaction is still, "Are you mad at me?" Well, as Keith can attest, <laughs> we grew up in a super religious household. So anytime I do anything, I always figure like I'm gonna be in trouble for. So a part of me secretly, like when every when I'm telling everybody and they're so happy and they're crying and they're like, "Oh my god, this is great news." I'm secretly like feeling like, "Holy shit." I'm O.J. Simpson. I got away with something. <laughs> Which I was very surprised, like, being his cousin and just having grown up, you know, together. Um, yeah, that everybody was just, like, happy. And, yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's cool. It's, like, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's kind of a, um, it's a good thing on our family that, mm-hmm. you know, they were just cool. Like, his mom was telling me about it, and she's just, like, you know, kind of, like, tearing up, I believe, even when she was telling me the story later. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was like, wow. Good job, family. For not being like <laughs> you're out of the household. I, I'm, dude. That's super religious. I was if they say, would have done that. Again, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna try to pass judgment. I don't know y'all's life. You know what I mean? But I mean, if if the reaction for your your 34 year old son, you know, nephew, grandson, whatever the fuck, is having a baby and he's in a good spot and he's in a responsible spot and you know and you're you're expecting to be mad like. Y'all thought about counseling at all? Like maybe a little, you know, just to work through a few things, you know. Um. That's when you rethink that whole thing, man. <laughs> well, I mean, a- counseling's for you. You can't really like force like your parent to go to counseling, <laughs> especially when you're like an adult child who doesn't live at home anymore. That's that's true. I mean, I don't know. I just I'm saying like we thought we knew our parents pretty well, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. So, yeah, I, there was I, no say, I, I, I love, That's weird. That's. I, I, I love the fact that you're proud of your your, your guys's uh, uh, the the older members of the, your family for their reaction to this wonderful. We're not flipping out. That's awesome. Yeah, what that's was the great. alternative? Like getting chased down the street with like a pitchfork? But then uh, just probably being like, oh, well, that's nice, I guess. Or like just kind of like disappointed because because uh, he should have been fifty. Like I should have been married first. And, you know, he's, oh, he's married, yeah, you know. So, but no, none of that came up, and 
Hey. It's just like they're happy that another life is coming yeah. into the world. It's like the Lion King. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, congrats, well, congratulations, dude. Congrats, that man. is genuinely Thank fantastic you. news. Fucking awesome. Uh, happy that uh have another another voice on the mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll hear him in the background. Instead of hearing puppy, Peppy and Puppy barking in the background, you'll hear a little... Whoa, you said him? Well, I don't know if it's a him or her yet. Oh, okay. It's kind of like a sexist waiting. default thing that I went to, there, <laughs> yeah. just assuming it's a boy. But if it is a girl, its name will be Aria. But if not, she can name it Bonifacio. Or I was going to say, I'm just going to say wait, it right wait, now, so dude. Boy. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying right now, dude. I'm just saying right now. Eric is a great name for a boy, and Erica is a great name for a girl. I'm just saying, dude. You know what I mean? That's That's... <laughs> I'll let you have those two, yeah, sir. How yeah, about yeah. that? <laughs> anyway, speaking of names, um, who 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 are we talking about this week, guys? Uh, I think Jermaine Dupri. I, I think we oh, agreed on Jermaine Dupri. Oh, okay, Dupree? yes, I am ready. I so Jermaine talk- Dupri was born in 1952. I thought we were talking about household. Damn, black don't the- crack, huh? <laughs> the dude from He's the old as fuck. 1952. I think I'm being modest. <laughs> He's old as shit. He was like at least 40 when he was doing that shit in the 90s. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, I thought we were talking about the dude from the office. Uh, Jim, Jim, yeah, Jim. Uh, Dwight, yeah, yeah. You know, Dwight. You know, I, I believe Dwight could totally be fucking. If if uh, if what's his fuck can be a strangler, I think uh, Dwight could set up a bomb or two. But no, but I thought we were talking about Jim. Oh, the real life Jim. What, what what's his real uh, name? Uh, 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 Krasinski. Yeah, Krasowski? John Krasowski? Krasinski. Mike Wazowski, is that right? Mike Monsters Mike Inc. We're talking about Monsters Inc. That's what it was. My bad, dude. I researched. Oh wait, no wait. Movie, by the way. Wait, no. I looked at the text message Art sent us on Sunday. I think we're talking about Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski. Oh, oh I thought we were talking about the Greek freak. I can't even pronounce his last oh, name. Without Ant- really. Antis. Yeah. Yeah, Antis. Antis. yeah, that's it. That's right. <laughs> None of those. Oh, I did the wrong research. Yeah, I just yeah. I know so much about Jermaine Dupri now. <laughs> in the Ferrari, a Jaguar, switching four lanes in the top down, screaming out, "Money ain't a thing." Oh, whoa, dude, copyright. <laughs> Art, what's Jermaine Dupri's favorite color? Now, probably like yellow or white. I believe, dude. You. I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, because he only wore like white suits, but he was like always covered in piss for some reason. So yellow or white. Uh, Wait. Uh, Jermaine Dupri or R. Kelly? Who to, the fuck are we talking he about? He used to piss himself. He dated um, Janet Jackson for a while. They were married. They have a they, child together. They have a child? Are you yes. serious? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, that's yeah. for maybe, real. Maybe he should get his own episode because wow. he's an interesting, weird guy, man. He brought cornrows back as well. He brought cornrows. <laughs> I'll give that to Island Averson. Island Averson? <laughs> Island Averson. Island Averson brought back. Look, if it wasn't for for uh, Island Averson, like, lesbians wouldn't have anything to like use as a as a blueprint of what they should be wearing during right, the 90s. Right now, every up. every lesbian in the 90s was dressed just like Allen Iverson. That's a fair statement, actually. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue that. that right now, it's Kim Kardashian and Bo Dallas. Those who brought fucking cornrows back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've already had that discussion. <laughs> I guess, but anyways. anyway. <laughs> Theodore Kaczynski. <laughs> as you might uh, know him better as, the Unabomber. So... The Unabomber was arrested in 1996, and as Art and I have documented, I think it was the Phoenix Lights. 96, 97, this was like a fucking lit high. time. It was yeah. crazy, yeah. And to preference this, I might, in the Jacob Pixton timeline, this he was arrested pre-Tupac, pre-Tupac's death. So in Jacob Pixton's timeline, everything happens either after Tupac's death or before Tupac's death. So we're talking about a timeline and a period of time. That happened while Tupac was actively alive. PTD and uh, 
ATD, PTD, and ATD. Yes, pre Tupac death, the and worst after Tupac STDs. Death. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Art, since this is your topic, do you want to jump into who? I guess Theodore I don't have any notes. I'm just winging it. You, you got the notes, man. Oh, okay. Kick it off, man. What's your topic, sir? I wanted you to I'm lead. Just it riffing, up. man. I'm just riffing. You're just riffing. <laughs> and then I also want to welcome to the podcast my cousin Keith, who actually lived in Montana or lives in Montana and who uh, resided very close to where Ted Kaczynski was found. Yeah, so I was looking this up, doing a little research myself, and um, it turns out he's probably, uh, I believe it was Lincoln, Montana. Lincoln, Montana, yeah. Yeah, that's not very far from where I live. So, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to some places um, that are quote-unquote off the grid, that's a big thing in Montana. There's a yeah. lot of people that go there to get away from people, and uh, that's kind of what he was doing or trying to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's just really interesting and kind of creepy that, you know, dude was doing that kind of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so close to where I now am. Yeah, and that's why I brought you on because I wanted you to give your perspective of the Montana rugged lifestyle. So I'll do my best. So. <laughs> Ted Kaczynski wasn't born and raised in Montana. Now, this is somewhere that he uh, later on in life uh, escaped to. He was actually born um, around sh- the Chicago area. And our, this is your favorite uh, area of the un- United favorite States. Favorite place for pizza, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so, and he grew up uh, to a second-generation Polish parents, uh, Polish immigrant parents. or They were the second-generation so his grandparents would have immigrated here from Poland. So, mm-hmm. And he was a really smart fella. He was fucking what was his what was his uh, iq it was pretty high man it was, it was like Einstein tested, level like 167 when uh, he was a kid i believe no i actually read it was 170 170 or, yeah. like in the one maybe 176 yeah it was that like might be stupid that might high. be yeah and who this, are we to argue and call him a madman yeah when he's smarter than anyone <laughs> you know, in this I, room. I really think that's why keith's here is he's gonna be <laughs> ted kaczynski's advocate in this particular episode <laughs> i am definitely not um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, he did test really high, like whether it was 167, 176, whatever the fucking number was. It was actually something like well above even Einstein's IQ. Yeah. So we're yeah. talking about an individual that is like highly intelligent. You know, when he was younger, you know, he was actually, you know, promoted up a few grades. And then even in high school, he graduated high school early and went to Harvard. At, he was like 15, wasn't he? Was 15. Yeah, 15. He uh, one of, I think his brother said uh, about him that uh, they sent him to Harvard and he just he was not ready they sent they sent him to college to this prestigious school to take over the world basically and mm-hmm. he didn't even have a driver's license well, yet he wasn't even eligible for pretty a much his license. entire life he you was know? always smaller than all the other yeah. kids he always stuck out from in every mm-hmm. grade basically because he was jumped all those grades yeah and and uh, I did read that a lot of people say that that was kind of a a, a major part of his his uh, psyche and, and it had an effect on him you know his first couple of years in school you know through like first second grade um he's actually really social like he's 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 quiet you know he's timid he's shy but once it's one of those things where like once you get to know him you can't get him to shut up you know what i mean yeah and, and we all know those individuals uh-huh. too like art and i we worked with a guy like that at target aaron and um <laughs> Like highly intelligent. Oh, yeah. Like I would like make it my goal every night to try to stump this oh, individual. Yeah, you talk about this, yeah. And he was just just name just like a Wikipedia like article. Like he could just list it off for like hours or whatever. But you know, very you know shy, very socially awkward. And with Ted, his mom speculates this all happened when you know he was a younger baby. I guess he got hives or some yeah. some kind of disease. And back you know back in dude the, back in the day, kids used to just get weird diseases, man. Yeah. 
And the way they treated it, too, was kind of, like, weird as fuck, too, because I guess what they did, they put him in, like, isolation. Yeah, they like, had to like, hold him down to, like, give him his medication or his mm-hmm. bombs or his... Because his, uh, I don't know what the fuck it was. It wasn't like he, he had some alert, minor allergic reaction or something, you know, give him some Benadryl and he's good, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, or whatever the 1950s equivalent would have been. They were, like, giving like, him, like, lithium and cocaine. Yeah, they, they were, like, this was, like, treatments for, like, an extended period of time that they were doing, and, like, so he's... He, a lot of things uh later in life he has this real love for like animals and doesn't mm. like uh, uh even like shelters uh, i read kind of gave him issues because yeah, like all any these caged cages, animal yeah he would show like extreme sympathy for him. and his parents his mom speculated that a lot of that came from uh the way that he felt like he was in isolation he was caged and like mm-hmm. treated like an animal even though they were trying to help him yeah and like his mom said like beforehand you know he was a very happy baby very loving child and, you know, very affectionate towards, you know, his brother and father and whatnot. Then afterwards, the ghost, <laughs> he was a young prophet. Um, no, but afterwards, like he was just very like reserved and very just like to himself, almost like what, what she did, too, is she almost put him in a program, another program that was going to test him for like autism. And she reluctantly or she thankfully like did not put him in this program because it ended up being like another form of child abuse yeah the guy was a crazy fucking rough mm-hmm. yeah i don't remember his name fucker doesn't need to have his name repeated because yeah it was supposed to be like basically child abuse that he was mm-hmm. putting these through under the guise of therapy and autistic di- autism diagnosis and whatnot yeah and she was just like nah i'm good like i've already scarred him enough basically you know by putting him in this isolated treatment for fucking hives yeah. You know, what What are hives? You know, it's basically like a rash. You know what I'm saying? Why do you got to put somebody in isolation for that? Because it was the 50s and, uh, you know, asbestos wasn't going to <laughs> asbestos wasn't going to put out this fire. You know That's what I mean? really That's, true. Uh, That's one of the things that in the 50s, like everyone was afraid. Like if you got if you were a celebrity and you got cancer, like you basically went into hiding. Like mm-hmm. every disease was like a knock against you. Like you couldn't have a kid with like autism or something like that. Like mm-hmm. it was everything was shameful. Like if you had anything like that, like now it's, you know. We, we have like really for life and all these things and it's very out in the open we want to find a cure and we want to fight towards like progressing in that in these fields at the time hives that yeah. was like destructive like mm-hmm. your kid has hives man that's what you get for having a child out of wedlock <laughs> your child's an abomination <laughs> in the eyes of god you know, you're like fucking son of a bitch throw, but, throw him in the lake of minnetonka <laughs> but he had if he survives he's a witch <laughs> he's a witch like, get him <laughs> But yeah, so he has all of these medical issues very young. He's in isolation. He's basically tortured. At least in his, I'm sh- I know that they had good intentions, but in mm-hmm. his young mind, he can't, you know, he can't really uh, parse that out. So he's being tortured in his mind. Mm-hmm. Then he gets into school and where they say where he's in- extremely intelligent and he gets sociable with proper kids, you know, the mm-hmm. kids his age. And then they start pushing him up where he is now the youngest kid. He is the outcast. Like, why is why is that kid here? Oh, because he's smarter than you. He's you the know Jeremy I mean? he's Jung the... of... That's exactly what I was <laughs> like, saying. Yeah, it's... and I remember Jeremy Jung, too, because he was really smart but socially awkward. And then you put this kid at a higher level. Now, these kids might not be as smart as you, but socially and, you know, body-wise, I remember looking at kids like a year older than me or two years older than me, and they look like fucking adults compared to me. Like, I was like excuse me, can I play kickball with you? And, like, there's just, like, this big old freaking, like, yeah. Aaron Donald-looking motherfucker just comes out like, no. Like, already says, got, like, goat hairs on his chin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And to have, like, that mentality, you know, like, your, your, your school is, like, teaches you how to interact with people. Yeah. And you're not able to interact with your, quote-unquote, peers like that's got to that's got to fuck with your psyche as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and and, and you you hit the nail on the head with with just the physical portion of it. Because if he is if he is quiet, if he is reserved, he is whatever already. Mm-hmm. You know, then he's not he's he's gonna be back in the corner somewhere. And you know, he, through his formative years, he's watching, he's physically seeing people change in front of him, mm-hmm. and 
he's he, he, there's got to be something fucking with him where it's like, well, we're in the same grade, we're in the same classes, we're doing the same, you know, uh, um, stuff that society is saying that we're supposed to be doing. You know, we're in the same levels allegedly, but physically there's something going on very, very different with between me and these people and the way that they're interacting. And it's not just one or two people; it's cons- it's the entire class, it's the entire grade. You know what I mean? And maybe a couple are developing slower, maybe some are developing like really fucking fast, but everyone is developing mentally and socially and physically in a way that just is not clicking for you at all and you you're being put somewhere that society is telling you you know yeah this is where you're supposed to be this is where your intelligence is you know this mm-hmm. is how smart you are you you should be able to on paper uh, on you paper know, you know when, when you fit but when you know we were going to washington junior high and then i got switched out to uh, highland high school and like mm-hmm. all of my friends they all went to east high and me and, the opposite all my friends went to highland and you know i got put at East High, and I was just like, "Whoa!" And I remember Keith. I'm again so glad you're here for this. I remember wanting to run away and go to your school because that's where all my that's friends. Some stranger are. Things shit, man. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like it is, it is, it is difficult. Like it for me personally, and, and I was just like some regular ass dumb kid. You know, I wasn't some boy genius with the micro with the microscope on him, like checking, make sure he's like living up to like being Einstein. Just some regular dumb kid, and um. And I still felt very isolated. Like, I had to rebuild, like, new friendships and, like, hang out with these new cliques. And they all lived in different areas because I'm not the Highland cri- – I'm mm-hmm. the kids that were basically getting bust in now from to, like, come into Highland now. And so, like, it was it was very different. It, it was very scary. So I can only imagine for a kid that not just once but multiple times gets moved yeah. up grades to kids that are now, like, bigger than him in, in stature and, like – all of a sudden, these kids have pubes. Like, I know it sounds weird and dumb. Like, that's a joke, but... That's intimidating when, as yeah, fuck, yeah. When, when you go from, like, being some, like, you know, fifth grader, sixth grader, all of a sudden, you're hanging out with, like, kids that are, like, in, you know, sophomores in high school, where they're, like, now they're trying to, like, bang girls and stuff, you know, when all these hormones are racing, and you're not really there yet, that's intimidating. You feel yeah. like the outlier. You feel like, you know, you don't belong here. You're not trying to piss the bed, yeah. and the guy next to you is chasing tail. Yeah. And it's, like, that's a very, very different kind of mindset, and and... That's just that's for where they were age wise. That's the, right where they should have been. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So and then on paper too, like it, it looked like he was very you know sociable because he was in marching band. He played trombone. He was in multiple clubs like the math club, biology, the coin club, the German club. But he was still very much an outsider. It was almost like he was throwing himself into these things because on paper that's what looked good. He was involved, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't like he was actively involved. You I know? feel like that's kind of parents like yeah i was in marching band and and orchestra and like i hated it Mm -hmm. but i think that that's parents like trying to put like this will help him kind of thing like oh you miss your friends that are at east high like why don't you just join marching band Mm -hmm. and like they put you in there and like it almost creates like this other like oh man i don't know fit in like i'm like one of the three mexican kids in this class (laughs) like (laughs) it's weird but like you know you learn to adapt after a while but then like I was saying, for him, it he became didn't get to identity. adapt. Like he got yeah. to change again, and yeah, it becomes really difficult. Mm-hmm. So I can understand his like upbringing being difficult, high school years. But then like, if, I don't know if you're gonna get into his college years. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, go, yeah. For yeah, yeah man, go for it. Yeah, man. I had one thing to say yeah. though before. Can we? Can I? Um, so there's one other factor here that's gonna kind of isolate him from the rest of the group, and that is his extremely high intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. I know a couple of people who are higher on the scale, and they definitely stand out as being very, very intelligent and <laughs> on another level. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
it, it's interesting. Um, I was reading something on uh, them having maybe like higher, uh, I think it, they called it personality disorders or just mm-hmm. certain things like uh, maybe anxiety or depression. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't confirm that they have higher suicide rates, but uh, I can see that. I've heard that when kids are just stupidly smart, um, a lot of the time they just kind of like, I mean, yeah, other kids are thinking about, you know, what's two plus two, and this guy's probably like, you know. The Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, I mean, he's he's able to understand way more complex concepts. And so what else? I mean, even the kids are, you know, physically older than him, but mentally there's certain maturity that they might have on him, but at the same time, like, he's just able to understand more. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, a season sorry once talked about how, like, when like there's like dudes that aren't douchebags and they go to a bar and they're they're like stressed out about approaching a girl at a bar and they don't want to they don't want to go up to him and seem like a douchebag or something like that but you think of like a douchebag drunk dude just goes up to a girl is like yo can i touch your boobs kind of thing you know like it sounds funny but like those kind of guys get through life like very smoothly because they're not really thinking about the outcome Mm -hmm. but like whenever someone has like more complex thoughts and they're worried about other people's feelings and worried about all these you know, everything that could happen, you know, the, every outcome, like, um, I think it does create a level of anxiety and stress in mm-hmm. someone's life, you know, and I can see, and that's just like an asking out a girl level. I can see how like someone with much deeper, like Albert Einstein level thoughts mm-hmm. can create super level Einstein. of anxiety and depression and things like that. And, and that makes sense. And, and, you know, you looking at, at that example right there, you know, I, I think about like the, the, the douchebag way and like, okay, maybe you're not going to like get crazy far ahead. But you don't necessarily realize that, you know what I mean? As long as you're not out there, you know, raping a girl or murdering someone or whatnot, you know, if you're an, a jackass and, and grab an ass somewhere, you know, <laughs> she should she should say something, and she should uh, you should you should get you know a little bit of time for that, you know, maybe a nice little ass whooping, whatever the fuck. But for the most part, unfortunately, you're going to end up just kind of like, well, I didn't get laid, you know what I mean? Ah, whatever the if fuck. You're you Brad from the lacrosse a- lacrosse team. A- a- exactly, <laughs> fucking uh, the Duke lacrosse yeah, team. Yeah, you got your you're, you're the here in Bakersfield. You're the the douchebag. Big bro with the flat bill cap and the raised ass <laughs> fucking truck you know what i mean and, and the high black head, socks yeah, that's exactly. some serious stereotypical uh, uh, talk right there bro like i wear all those things those led lights I'm, yeah, I'm wearing those things right now. <laughs> i'm totally joking well, well, well keith i hate to this is actually going to mention you're a douche i'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> medically if, speaking if anyone is listening to this speaking, dr eric castillo that's right just diagnosed me with <laughs> douche if anyone's listening to this podcast and you have led lights in your car please stop turn the turn this podcast off like but you don't belong here anyway so a lot of these so a lot of these guys like you're saying you know people will go through life and they're not going to necessarily get ahead you know they're not going to make everything and everything in their life you know everything possible is not going to come their way but they're not necessarily going to see that they're going to see that they've made it through life that they've got their decent job and they're doing whatever and they're having a good time and they're you know maybe things could be better but they don't realize that whereas someone that's really thinking shit through is always trying to push a little more and like understands what could be lost you know what i mean um and i i think i think uh, looking at like his manifesto and some of the stuff he does later in life i think he's very much aware of we have to be forward thinking we have to think about what our actions today are going to do if we if we fail or whatnot he's not necessarily wrong either but his methods (laughs) yeah we'll just yeah his methods are pretty much objectively wrong and if you disagree with that then you probably agree with killing people that's kind of (laughs) weird Um, that turns into that whole death penalty argument. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking about terrorism. I mean, because that's kind of what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I, yeah. He embodied that. Uh, one thing, too, that, like, I kept popping into my mind. I remember in college, like, I would always hear about, like, people, like, who are really into math and really good at math are, like, socially awkward people. 
And like I always took really high oh. offense to that because at one point like I tested really high in math in yeah. the state of California and whatnot. It's like fucking Azteca blood in you, boy. I guess so. <laughs> I'm gonna crack open a beer, but isn't it piss off Jacob? Oh, no, right, cool. we go. <laughs> and I like I used to take offense to that because I would like to believe like I have a a very personable personality, but I did notice like around campus people that you know were math majors and people that were really good at math in school like they were a little bit of socially off. And to find out that he later on became a doctorate of mathematics, like it makes sense, you know, because he was very socially awkward, but he excelled yeah. like to the point where I guess like in college, he wrote a paper. I don't know how you write a paper about mathematics, but he wrote a paper so complex that they said only maybe 10 or 12 people in the whole world would be able to comprehend it. To, to truly appreciate it. Yeah, you mm -hmm. could get bits and pieces of what I saw that but it was it was something that was literally like earth shattering and I guess it still gets referenced like today like it's one of those things like oh look at this fucking like yeah the author don't worry about the author <laughs> we're, we're going to we're going to disassociate the artist from the art you know what I mean like that's kind of author what's happening yeah. JK yeah exactly. what does the J and the K stand for <clears throat> anyway so uh Jordan Knight yeah there we go <laughs> JK those are his initials John yeah. Kaczynski J.K. Rollins. I would. Oh, I would just, you said you, you did the same thing I did. I legitimately was making like. <laughs> I thought you were making a J.K. Rollins joke, and I was like, I don't get it. Oh yeah, T.J.K. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> John Krasinski, the Unabomber. Make that. Put that on Instagram, please, Art. Make that a picture. But anyways, he gets to Harvard at age 15, and not only does he get into Harvard, but Harvard pays him to go to harvard yeah i saw i saw that he actually uh, uh applied to berkeley and then to i want to say usc as well mm -hmm. and he got accepted but they did not offer him money or a um, uh, teaching position mm -hmm. um and because of that that's why he ended up going to harvard, harvard no, no, no. Because... harvard actually you know basically recruited him yeah. for his you know undergraduate degree yeah um, but for his uh, master's and doctorate oh, but it's harvard where he gets subjected to some more bullshit so oh my god he gets, you know, basically paid to go to Harvard. Like, how many people in this fucking lifetime or the next can say that Harvard paid them to go to their school, right? And he gets placed into this house, you know, for, you know, gifted children. You know, it's basically Professor X's, you know, home for the yeah. gifted, right? And, you know, he's, you know, basically fed, you know. Like, they take care of him just to say, oh, we have this fucking intellectual genius going to our school. It raises their prestige. And during this time period, he's also subjected to a lot of fucked up testing. And this is where, like, I guess the MK Ultra, you know, conspiracy gets implemented here. But um, at in 1958, at the age of 16, um, he... Oh, shit. Where is it at? Where is it at? Oh, okay. It's a Harvard psychologist, Henry Murray. Now, Henry Murray was a psychology professor who uh, did all these fucked up unethical tests that would basically, uh, he would make the students, you know, write all these, you know, papers about their own personal beliefs. And then what he would do is he would, you know, have, you know, established lawyers and, you know, debate experts, you know, come in and challenge these people, these kids, basically, these, these not yeah. even formed adults. Um, challenge them at their personal core beliefs and belittle them and then would record their reactions and then kind of like a clockwork orange like replay these reactions to these children to basically you know break them you know yeah. to get for whatever reason just for study purposes and i guess um he actually had students like timothy leary you know with yeah. the you know the lsd test and whatnot like these were people under him and i guess the conspiracy i don't know if art's going to go into it but you know this was a part of the mk ultra um uh, tests or you know family tree of this where it's just like okay we're conditioning brilliant minds to be patsies for the government 
Yeah, uh, I mean the the the. Oh, sorry, oh no, I was just gonna say I, I heard of that before, but I don't think this is like officially part of the MK Ultra. It's just, it's just kind of like a thing that people have yeah, like speculated. Like yeah. it's it might be yeah, yeah, because it, it's like the the these lawyers uh, and you know basically these people that argue and pick apart arguments for a living, um, they're they're all they're given about you is your picture and your paperwork. So there is, you're completely anonymous, anonymous to them besides those two pieces. So they know who they're talking to about that paperwork. So there is, there's, there, the study was actively trying to um, take away the personality, take away the humanity, so that the lawyer could just absolutely, you know, you're a fuck up because of this line of the paperwork. No, I don't care what your backstory is. I don't care what the context is. Mm-hmm. You are what you wrote, and what you wrote is stupid. And this happened like daily for a couple mm-hmm. of years, I think. Something, like, or well, almost daily. But I mean, this was. Like you said, Jacob, this is for a sophomore in college. I mean, your standard sophomore in college, you know, 19, 20, 21, you know, somewhere in that area, you know, uh, he's 16. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like 18, 19, 20 is still not fully developed enough for something like no. this at all. Fuck, you know, I, I'm 30, I'm 33. I'm still dealing with shit that happened you to know? me when I was 23. Yeah, I mean, I'm, come on, I'm man. Over, I'm over here like, I'm going to be 34 in like a week and a half. And fucking, oh, thank you very much. Um, and I'm like, I don't think I can handle this right now. You yeah, know what no. I mean? Like, and so 16 year old, fuck that noise. Yeah. And it just goes along to the mental anguish that he's had to endure. And I can only I can only imagine how that would be. You know, like you hold at a very absolute person, you know, that, that's a mathematician. Everything you deal with is an absolute. And to have that absolute challenge, you know, his personal beliefs. And you already have like this fear of socialization. Like this is only going to further, you know, that mental mind state to a weird path you know it's not going to be it's not going to be a very you know like straight like you were saying about the uh douchebag jock you know it's not going to be just like oh i'm gonna talk to that girl i'm gonna grab her boobs if you know she says no all right whatever i'm gonna move on to the next it's gonna be like no everything that i do i have to question because i might get challenged from over here i might get made fun of over here and it's it's gonna fuck up a potentially beautiful mind yeah i i remember when i was in college at bc i took a critical uh a critical thinking class and uh, before before I became a biology major, um, I, I went into school, or no, I, I spent some time as a computer science and a math major. And uh, after a couple of years, I jumped ship with that one for computer science majors. When I found out I was going to have to make my own compiler without a compiler, fuck that noise. I jumped ship at that point, you know, <laughs> with the rats, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But um, so I took a lot of psychology, or not psychology, well, I did take a lot of psychology, but I took a lot of uh, uh, like physics and computer science and all that stuff. And I actually did minor in physics. But uh, I remember there was one guy that I knew that was like he he was always the best in in his classes and all of our math classes and all of our coding classes and all of our you know all this stuff, and then we took this logic class like actual critical thinking logic, and I remember uh, one of the things was the the uh, the professor would give us all right here's a paper pro gun control what's wrong with this paper, here is one that is uh, anti gun control you know what is what is wrong with this paper you know what I mean. And this guy would come back and all sorts of stuff, you know, abortion and like also like little innocuous things and, you know, all sorts of pro and con of what's wrong with this paper. And he would come back to conclusions like, oh, yeah, they're right. Oh, yeah, they're wrong. Oh, yeah. like No, 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 no. That's not the fucking point. I don't care if the paper is right or wrong. I don't care if their opinion is right or wrong. Break it apart. Where do their arguments fall apart? Where do their and he just couldn't fucking handle that. He Mm. couldn't handle that there was not. A black and white yes or no answer that kinda, there was kind of reminds me of Ben Shapiro in a way because yeah, when, you, when you talk when you listen to in, interviews with him he's very much rooted you know in his Jewish conservative roots and it's just like nope that's an absolute right yep. there's an absolute wrong and Keith and I were talking you know before you guys showed up today we're talking about like gray areas you know about yep. you know religion and just social interaction like you're gonna have a lot of like things that are gonna be yes and no 
you know like there, there's there's a lot of gray in this world and for a person like fucking ted kaczynski uh-huh. that's going to be a hard concept exactly. for him to grasp. I, I remember this guy that i was in, cl- in class with he would just break down and he had on a couple of occasions he had meltdowns in class over minor things minor arguments realistically um, but it, it all built up on him so much that he just fucking broke. And he, he ended up dropping the class like two weeks out from the end. Like he took the F. It wasn't even like a withdrawal. <laughs> like if he had done it early, it would have been a withdrawal of W, mm-hmm. which isn't great, wow. but it's better than a fucking F. You know what I mean? And so Kaczynski, I imagine, like he is just being conditioned to like, you you can't even have the breakdown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you have the breakdown, that's just going to get thrown back in your fucking face. Which maybe like it, like answers my question. Like, okay, like when you looked at his grades, like he had a couple of C's and a couple of F's. In his transcript. And I was like, if you're so smart, why isn't it all ace? But yeah, that would explain that. Maybe he had those breakdowns as well. Like, and because, you know, you're not just going to take math classes. You're going to have to take, you know, like the fucking music appreciation. You're going to have to take all these other classes to build, you know, a well more well-rounded person. Something a little bit more, uh, for lack of breaking down a little too far, something a little more qualitative rather than quantitative. Exactly. Yeah. So like Eric was saying, I'll go ahead with the the master's and doctor's program. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I jumped the gun, got excited, got my oh, you're uh, fine, you're Kaczynski fine. heart on. <laughs> Jim is so dreamy. Jim is just so dreamy. I got a heart. Everyone, on. like auspiciously, look at the camera right now. You can see that live. You go to YouTube.com and check out the Art and Jacob Do America uh, YouTube page. Is that our Facebook there? It looks like there's like. Oh yeah, the comments. Facebook's right next to that. But you know, oh, there are comments. You know, but YouTube yeah. still. You we'll read them later. Yeah. <laughs> but um. Anyway, oh yeah. So those <laughs> two take a, take a swig of beer before you get that, Eric. Um, so yeah, so after uh, after he graduates uh, from Harvard, and he graduated with a, like a three point two one GPA, which I mean, again, is not the four point whatever. But at that time, you're looking at Harvard, and I mean, that's actually above average. You know what I mean? Most of the guys, you know, it's that whole D's get degrees as long mm-hmm. as it's not within your major. You know, um, but he does really well, and he uh, he does actually end up. Um, Going to the University of Michigan. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And he went to the University of Michigan for his uh, uh, post-grad. Mm-hmm. Not, not as for his grad, for his, uh, for his uh, graduate degrees. And uh, again, this is this is the point where he did, uh, he did both his master's and his doctorate there. And he did apply to the University of Chicago and uh, Berkeley. And again, the reason why he didn't go to those, he got accepted, but they weren't going to give him money. or He needed either money or he needed a teaching position. Yeah. And uh, Michigan uh, agreed to give him uh, the both. Both both of them, actually, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it's something like that. You can't fucking, you can't turn it down. And so it, it's at that point that he's um, getting $2,300 um, annually, a grant from uh, Michigan, which in 2018 would have been about $20,000 a year. And then in Michigan, that's balling. In Michigan, that's balling if you figure that the, the school's probably also taking care of your housing and you're probably mm-hmm. on some sort of like a meal plan and whatnot. Like, if you don't have a whole lot of bills, like, you're set. You're living on campus. You're doing whatever. You're working for them anyway. You're not really going anywhere. You know, that's, it's not. This that's, is an assumption, too. I'm sure he's not bodybuilding, so he's not having to eat six meals a day yeah, and yeah, fucking yeah. bulk out. <laughs> so he can get away with the egos. Uh, and this is the point where he actually. Um, uh, this is the point where he actually writes that fucking uh, d- uh, m- amazing uh, masterpiece of a thesis that still gets uh, it, it's a dissertation. It's called Boundary Functions, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it won the Summer Remyers Prize for the Michigan's Beth best mathematicians <laughs> dissertation it of won Beth. the year. One night it with won Beth. Beth. One night with well, it's what? a weird what? lisp. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was thinking about one night with Jim Krasinski, uh, John Krasinski. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so he so uh, 
Um, yeah, this is the one that, like Jacob said earlier, that, that there were like only 10 or 12 people in the world would like really and truly. Mm-hmm. It, it was such an important document that like we could all learn from it, but like only a handful of people are going to be able to understand it mm-hmm. from page one to page whatever the fuck in one go and just like be good with it. This is how uh, groundbreaking um, it actually is. But uh, once he graduates from there, he actually be, uh, he does end up moving over to Cal Berkeley mm-hmm. um, or UC Berkeley, um, which is Cal. Um, the Golden Bears, baby. Golden Bears. Um, and he's 25 years old. And he becomes, becomes the youngest. The youngest assistant professor um, at Cal Berkeley. Like, or UC Berkeley. Fuck, I want to. I, I was talking with a buddy about mine, uh, my buddy of mine about football yesterday. And uh, I got football in my. So I'm just thinking about Cal. Because uh, that's all they are to me. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so he goes to uh, be an assistant professor. And for the most part, it sounds like none of his students like him. It's one of those situations where, you know, if you go to college, you know, uh, even at your, your, your junior college, what you, you know, it's not quite as stringent, but you need at least a master's to teach at a junior college, at least in California. I don't know how it is in other states, but in California, a uh, master's teach at junior college and you need a doctorate to be a professor at a UC or a CSU mm-hmm. or certain private organizations, but you don't need teaching credentials. Like high school, elementary school, you need a teaching credential, but wow. you don't need that at, at the collegiate level. And so this is a guy that is extremely intelligent, that is like knows his shit front and back. He knows his shit better than anyone else knows his shit. But as we've already very well established up at this point, he's not the most social of individuals. He's he maybe is not the best communicator. He is not, you know, he can get the idea across, but he can't necessarily make you understand it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of his students complain that he uh, teaches straight out of the textbook. You know, it's one of the situations where he's just reading line by line by line, and it's the same monotone, and you know, blah blah blah. And I've blah, had those you know. teachers. Oh, too. I've had that too. And it's just like you're not really learning from those teachers because they're just talking at you, not talking to you. And that, I mean, yeah, you might understand what's coming out of your mouth, but it's your job as yeah. a teacher to go beyond that and help people understand that. Like, yeah, the the, the one percent smartest kid in the class might get what you're talking about. But, you know, you got those average Joes as well because he was teaching, you know, geometry and calculus that they're going to need, you know, stuff broken down into similes yeah. and stuff like that. And just his mind just couldn't comprehend that everybody's didn't work like that. Yeah. And so he's just reading straight out of the book. He's not really comprehending what everyone needs. You know what I mean? And and honestly, he's probably he's probably there, you know, because they're giving him money to do some sort of research or write some other paper or whatnot. And the classes are just an annoyance, mm-hmm. which I've, I've had professors like that where they're teaching the class because they have to teach class. Yeah. They're there to get the paycheck for their research. You know what yeah. I mean? Um. And so he's not, evidently, there's, it gets to a point where he's not answering questions. Like, if someone raises their hand and asks a, quest, and asks a question, he just steamrolls and just keeps reading that fucking book. Mm. And think about that for a second. We're talking about calculus. We're talking about fucking geometry. We're talking about math. Like, if you miss what X stood for at some point, um, you're fucked for the rest of the equation. You know yeah. what I mean? If if you don't understand what your your derivative is, if, if you don't understand, you know, what the little, like... The whole, you know, the next hour is just, you know, noise. Yeah. Essentially. But for him, he just would keep fucking going. And I mean, there is something about that kind of dedication, you know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of shows up later in in life. And I mean, he's focused, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. What was he teaching? Calculus? Uh, calculus calculus and geometry. Those, yeah, were, those were the two big ones. Um, which, again, for a dude that, he's an assistant professor. Yeah. So he's, he, he can't be teaching the 400 level. Mm-hmm. Um, insanely complex grad classes, probably the you know? uh, geometry one hundred and one kind of thing. Uh-uh. And um, I guess later on, because you can actually contact 
Ted Kaczynski in prison and pen pal him. I guess later on he said that, you know, the only reason why he took this position is because he was saving enough money to go move to Montana. Yeah. And just live off the grid. And that's really like, well, that really surprises me, honestly, the way that how analytical his, his mind is and how um, everything has been black and white. And now he's going to, he wants to try to figure out how to live life hunting and cutting his own wood. And mm-hmm. that seems like such. Maybe it's just like another challenge for him. You know what I'm saying? Because he's mastered pretty much everything else. So it's just like, all right, I, I need to find a new challenge in life. And not only that, like, okay, society is telling him, okay, you have to go to this huge campus. I remember the first time I went to BC, it overwhelmed me. You know, that's, you know, a junior college. Then I went on to, you know, CSUB, which is even larger college. And like, even that, like socially, like took me by storm as well. And then for somebody just that fucking sensitive to socialization, I could see like, okay, like I, I just need to check out, you know, I need to get off the grid. We know people like this, you know, that just are more comfortable being by themselves at all times. Oh yeah. I've got, especially going up to Tashby, I got a lot of guys that, you know, their goal in life is to get the fuck out of California. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And to go live. And I got a buddy that wants to, uh, he's going to move to Wyoming as soon as he retires. One of my drinking buddies is in Montana. Um, doing something. No, he's he's it's, on the grid. It's he, not me. He's on the grid. He's on the grid. He's <laughs> on the grid. Everyone looking yeah. at Keith. Yeah. <laughs> he's on the grid. He's on the grid. Don't worry. Well, even when um, we talked to like Donnie Phillips, like Donnie Phillips is like, I, that's he lives in the middle of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. yeah. it's not that crazy. It's just kind of no. The the concept itself, like getting out, like fuck. That, those are guys living out like in the outskirts of like Palmdale, Lancaster, Roseman, you know, Needles, Barstow. They're they're in the desert. They just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. But the level to where. Uh, uh, John Krasinski was saying that yeah. he doesn't even want fucking plumbing or water like mm-hmm. to his pad or like, electricity yeah, or anything. nothing he doesn't want anything he, he needs to do everything on his own because he does not want to be he wants to answer to no man whatsoever and he wants no con- he's willing to sacrifice all conveniences for it that is an extreme that takes yeah. a very special that is, I agree kind of that. person Keith it starts kind of cool but at the same time <laughs> It starts. It sounds kind of cool at first, but then yeah, it is pretty extreme. Like at first, I'm like, that sounds pretty cool for like a cool week getaway kind of thing. Like basically camping. Mm-hmm. Like people enjoy camping. It's not that you're still gonna end up having to dig a hole to. You're, I was gonna say in. you're gonna enjoy it until you run out of toilet paper. Yeah, That's exactly yeah. What I was about to say. You're yeah. gonna have to, you have to use a leaf to like wipe. <laughs> Which but, is funny because like he like set up this whole like you know system where you know he lived in this like you know basically studio cabin. And, you know, he had a potbelly stove. Uh, he hunted. He orga- he grew in his own organic farm. And I saw that, you know, he would harvest the, these vegetables and share it with people in town. And they would always complain about how, like, oh, it kind of tasted a little bit different. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, oh, okay, because it's, like, pure organic. But it was so organic because he yeah. was using his own feces yep. to fertilize his fucking go- garden. Now that that is the circle of life right there, my friend. That is, <laughs> you know, ashes to ashes and shit. Everything to shit. the light touches. That's right. You, you see that shit in a in a few months. That's gonna grow into a tomato, and you know what that tomato is gonna become? More shit. That is <laughs> that is cyclical right there, my <laughs> man. I need that's just John to cutting out the middle, man. Cutting out the middle, man. You have to have, go buy your own fertilizer. <laughs> So something I was going to ask you guys, and I was trying to read up on it right now, and I, you know, kind of reread through uh, some of the Wikipedia and whatnot, because you know that's the best source of information. Oh always. yeah. Um, Shout out to Ross Robinson working on the new Limp Biscuit. Yeah. I mean, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, maybe edit that part. No, no, you're <laughs> no, fine. Go ahead. Um, so, 
Yeah, what I'm wondering, and if, if any of you guys studied this and saw this, at this point, was he starting to get these thoughts that technology was uh, like bad for humans? And you, do you think that's why he moved? Or did well, he, he goes that? to Chicago to work for his uh, his uh, brother and dad. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And I that's saw that. that's yeah. really where that thought starts coming up of like, Okay. Like, fuck technology. But that's more of a Chicago thing. So we kind of skipped over that. But he goes to Chicago to mm-hmm. work for, for his brother. Really, his brother was, like, the manager of this factory. And um, he does this really creepy thing where he's an okay employee, but then he falls in love and starts dating this girl there. Do you guys have the name of that I girl? I saw that it was debated whether they actually dated. She denied mm-hmm. dating. Yeah. He courted her. He was trying to get at her, But basically. she said there was nothing romantic. Yeah. It was probably one of those things where they went out to dinner and he thought it was more than it really was. Mm-hmm. And or they brought they <laughs> ate lunch next to each other one time in the lunchroom maybe and he took it as a date and she just thought it was like oh, okay like this guy's just gonna sit oh, by me oh he's that douchebag wait a oh minute. some some girl sits down next to me oh all right how are we gonna fuck you know like yeah he's that <laughs> dick okay okay she okay. like just touched his arm playfully and he thought like she's into me as fuck can you feel the love tonight I, I that's the second Elton Lion King reference that's a, a few at the beginning yeah oh, we need man. Elton John to uh, write the soundtrack for this particular episode I heard that in the new movie they do that song but in the daytime it transitions tonight oh. trans- <laughs> i got a, a, a question though right. and like why did we not in preparation for this episode actually write him in prison <laughs> and ask him oh about God. some of these specifics because he probably oh, has time to write back i mean yeah. that's what he's doing he's got books out. i don't want to be on that's some true. terrorist watch list that's why you're already on list Steve. that's the reason you're making a podcast about him like, i'm still yeah. answering questions from the dark web uh, episode i did so i'm not trying to fuck with this <laughs> yeah. right now so um but yeah, he he. Let's just say it was a one-sided relationship then, right? Yeah, so he falls in love with her. I don't know. I don't know how true this is as well. But I guess too, when he was at Berkeley, like he was um, going to transition into a woman. Now I couldn't find too much to like support this. But I guess too, the mindset during this time frame is like he thought that's what was wrong with him, quote unquote. And I guess like when he was, you know, having there was like a therapy session he was supposed to go to, you know, before you know they actually you know took this into consideration. Um, that when he started to think about murdering the therapist, like all of his anxiety and stuff would start to go away. Yeah. So to answer Keith's question, yeah, during this time period where he's trying to court this woman and whatnot, and he's thinking like, okay, maybe I just need to have this gender reassignment surgery or, you know, whatever they did like in the 70s, you know, or 60s or whatever to do that. Um, he started to have these feelings like, okay, I'm going to murder the, um, just playfully maybe, uh, murder this uh, this psychologist Totally and, playful. Yeah, yeah. I know that, you know, don't we all have playful all love thoughts about jokes. killing people? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I oh, comfort myself with thoughts right. of killing you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Patrick Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wish I to get you one of my cards. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, like eggshell. <laughs> this one's called Bone. <laughs> But um, that's what he he was going through basically. To, to rev- I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. It was like kind of like an American Psycho thing that like it would start to soothe him to think of okay, I am going to just murder this person and just end all of their existence, and all of that started to subside. And obviously, he he remained a man. But yeah, yeah. to answer yeah. that question, I, I yeah, did see I, that whole thing, but I don't know if that was 100 percent true. Like I saw yeah. a lot of weird things where they're like, either he just felt like girls weren't into him, so he kind of felt like. He was gonna either be like asexual or just be like homosexual or something. He just felt mm-hmm. like 
confused by like gender at that point because like he didn't think girls would ever like find him attractive or something it was really weird yeah. and i do think like at that point he's only like 17 18 or something like that at that point where yeah. you're just like i don't know what's going on with my body and it, you see this all the time too with people in that nature like they tend to go through puberty a lot later on in life yeah. you know like i remember you know in college for example like stuff that happened to me like when i was like 13 14 like you would see somebody like in their like early 20s starting to go through and you see them now, obviously, yeah. you know, they're men now, but it took them a while to catch up. Dude, when I was 17, I thought I was going to die a virgin. Like, I really thought, like, <laughs> that, that was a real thought. I was like, yeah. I don't know how I'm ever going to have sex. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like, a year and a half later, I was like, oh, cool, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. I think, I think uh, yeah, you discovered your left hand. Yeah. Oh, I got this. It's cool. <laughs> we got this. I got this. I got this. Yeah. I don't need Shots no woman. <laughs> Channel 99, here I come. But I think, uh, so I think the time in Chicago, I don't know if it, I, I think the better way to put it is that he'd already had all of these kind of independent thoughts about how you know, life and society and technology had fucked him. Um, all the way from being a child with hives and how, you know, the prevailing uh medical medicine the prevailing medicine of the day forced him to be tortured basically mm -hmm. um so he's got like all of these independent thoughts and i think his time in chicago and working in the warehouse and seeing the the worker bee status and all that stuff i think that's kind of where it all coalesced into the idea that technology is the enemy so mm -hmm. i think parts were there but he didn't necessarily know how to put them together until he started working for his brother Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, too, is just like mirror, mirroring your insecurities onto other people as well. I mean, that's a very immature mindset as well. I mean, whether you're a teenager or whether you're in your 20s, whether you're in your 30s or 40s, 50s, I know people in their 60s that still do that. So, I mean, I mean, that could be a possible thing as well. Agreed. I, but I do think that that was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that, that whole Chicago. Oh, I mean, bless you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that whole Chicago trip, you know, getting probably as heartbroken and, mm -hmm. and I feel yeah. like that's like one of those things that's like the great equalizer. Yeah. Like no matter how tough you are and all these things, like getting rejected by a girl is like oh. so shameful. Like it breaks your pride and it like breaks you down. And it's like, I don't care how smart you are or how tough you are. If you're like the best looking guy, like getting rejected sucks. Oh, I just had a thought based on that. Ooh. You oh. know how they say behind every great man is like a great woman or um. whatever. You've heard that. What if it was like behind every like depraved killer, there is like the rejection of a woman? I want to. Oh, I totally believe woman. that, yeah, dude. I, I didn't. That. I hadn't thought of that, but Ted or at Bundy. least like lost love because yeah, you know, some of these guys were like homosexual and stuff like that. But I just wonder mm -hmm. um, if there's like a you know, unrequited dude, love aspect. Remember yeah. that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the we should we look did, into um, that. That'd that's be crazy. actually a good idea. The um the Sacramento vampire guy, mm -hmm. like how in high school, like he was like the best looking guy, and all the girls loved him, and all these things. And then, like, the girl mm -hmm. that, like, turned him in was, saw him on the street, like, covered in blood and thought he was, like, insane. So, like, it's pretty weird, like, because the thing that, like, kind of, well, he already had kind of, like, he was bipolar in high school and things like that. But still, like, women were kind of, like, that thing that, like, broke his, like, mm -hmm. broke his spirit and sent him, like, totally down that downward oh, yeah. spiral. And it's like, you're, it's like that instinctual validation because basically what that is, is it's like, okay, this if you can't reproduce that's the end of your your bloodline basically so i mean yeah that that's an instinctual uh reaction that that that's just in our dna yeah i it's it's i don't know i it, a lot of the things that bob krasinski made me think about krasinski, God, i don't krasinski. know it's just like not that, one on, that one was an accident um but i do think that it's kind of like more of an animalistic thing of like mm -hmm. you want to have that pride in there in in you like that animalistic thought of like having like a woman or whatever if you're homosexual or whatever like having another man next to you or like having that 
thing of like that bond with another person of like no one else but us two understands this bond Mm -hmm. like i think that that is kind of like the way the human brain is set up like you know call it love call it whatever you want call it hormones or whatever but like there is a little bit of that like connect with another person on a much deeper level like Mm -hmm. and i think that it, it if you don't get that i do think that the brain gets a little bit like weird and numb and maybe takes you down dark paths where like you know going through like a loss of a sibling or something like that you almost it's much more difficult to recover from situations that are dark like that if you don't have that other bond or that other brain that's like linked up to your brain yeah and i think for him he never had that like he Mm -hmm. went through all these difficult things in his life a couple times but yeah yeah even that like his mom sending him to you know that isolation therapy and you know all these things being pushed into you know you know marching band and whatnot his brother david would this is how basically he got caught spoiler alert you know was comparing notes that he was sending from the cabin you know that compared to his manifesto where he was you know basically cussing out his 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 parents blaming his problems on his parents specifically his mother and so maybe that portrayal like carried on throughout his life i when i was reading this i I saw a lot of uh uh, similarities between uh kaczynski and ted bundy Mm -hmm. and ted bundy hits a lot of those same uh uh Mm -hmm hallmarks you know i mean he there is the a lot of in his mind perceived unrequited love you know or no i guess it is unrequited love um you know there's a lot of like just trying to get in in bundy's case um he's getting sexual satisfaction out of you know he's finding that he can only get sexual satisfaction i do do think control and manipulation yeah create that sexual Um, arousal for him bundy was a guy that was now kaczynski had that that charisma like early on and internally and it kind of got beaten out of him um but you know he was you know people said that very young he was a leader and he did obviously you know he was driven you know to become the youngest assistant professor at uh uc berkeley you know what i mean and he is um he's got to drive somewhere and you look at ted bundy ted bundy had hopes to be a governor you know Dude, what i mean ted and, bundy and like you look at like a politician today like a even like a donald trump like a Ted Bundy and a Donald Trump aren't that far away from each other. Yeah, no. Like yeah, yeah. one just kills women and the other one you don't know if he kills women grabs or just by peace the on them. Just grabs him by the pussy. That's all he does. It was America, goddammit, and every time you can do that. We're making America great again, goddammit. That's what we're doing. But um the whole Montana thing too, like uh Keith, you have experience with Montana and this is why I wanted to, you know, have you on. Uh, I remember during Fourth of July, you were telling us about your experience with people, you know, out in Montana. So, can you touch on that, just to kind of like set up the scene of, you know, people in Montana that you know that are off the grid. This is when I was watching videos. This isn't something that was suspicious because it was like every day for people in Montana in the, the town of Lincoln, basically. So, can you give us our, your perspective uh, in living in Montana. Well, so Montana has i want to say it's like a million people you guys can fact check me on that Mm -hmm. but i think like the whole state has less people than like live in kern county oh wow something like that it's um so yeah maybe uh the doctor right now is looking that up so whatever the case it's it's quite a lot less people so less population um there's a lot more like forested and even just rural places like the town i live in uh, has a population of four thousand, and uh, just kind of an interesting change so Yes, people that attracts people that kind of want to be away from others. And there are tons. I mean, when I worked with um, Title and Escrow, uh, we dealt with some stuff where it was off the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, homes being sold that were off the grid. Um, you know, maybe they get solar power or they get generators. Um, just kind of an interesting thing. They, they grow their own chicken. I mean, there's even magazines that are like off the grid. I, I don't know if that's the name of one, but there probably <laughs> is. 
um, that talk about how to do this stuff. 1.062 million as of 2018. Oh, wow. In Montana, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think crazy. Kern County is like very comparable to that. And then to compare to like the, I mean, Kern County is very sparse as well. And I mean, Bakersfield is probably where the central, you know, population is at, which yeah. Bakersfield is considered a small town, about 300, 400,000 people. Montana is not a small state by any no. stretch of the imagination. That's, there's a lot of land that, that covers. I think it takes about six plus hours to drive across like oh, wow. uh, yeah. west to east mm-hmm. to Montana. So Which yeah, it, when we drive to eastern Montana, it's like, it's a drive. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at uh, Helena, the, the capital. Uh, the capital has a population uh, of... Helena. 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 I've just always heard it called Helena. Helena? I don't know. I kind of like Helena. I'm sorry, my Mexican is showing. I'm thinking about my tia Helena. Anyway, my tia Helena has a population of 31,429 um, as of 2017, that's wow. not bad. And that's man. a big city. Though. Thirty-one thousand people in the capital in the in the big city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that liberal foundation. <laughs> All those liberals in the big city. <laughs> oh, let's well, touch on your governor is your governor is uh, a Democrat, Steve Bullock. I'm just you know. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> you were talking about liberal. So Kaczynski's uh, kind of critiques on the the right and the left like mm-hmm. it, did you guys read about this stuff yeah that's what that's a i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people like to character characterize him as like a far right wing nut but he does he does criticize you know the left and he makes a lot of critiques you know about you know uh you know the women's because this is about the late 60s basically you know he makes a lot of you know critiques on the uh, women's lib movement and then you know civil rights and whatnot and how people go so far left but he also gives us uh, a lot of critiques on the right as well so if you want to touch on that yeah i'm looking at it um (laughs) trying to remember uh yeah because i don't have the note in front of me right now well i'll say this though he's not wrong you know um being a part of this podcast somebody put that in quotes <laughs> Jacob Bixen, um, no i mean this, this is like a theme wrong. though with ted kaczynski is it's like he makes a lot of valid points now his methods of carrying out like his message i see I, in, my, in my head we just like totally put in like in parentheses jim from the office is not wrong he's not Jacob. wrong <laughs> <laughs> but like he was talking about like we had that episode about um cultural appropriation where it's just like the people that are screaming, you know, the loudest are like for, you know, oh, white people shouldn't have cornrows are those like far left wing white women, not yeah. necessarily black women. And like he's making that critique like, OK, like, you know, the the far left, you know, white, you know, population is basically, see, you know, they're trying to, you know, distance themselves from the racist right. But in in fact, you know, their mindset is that of, you know, racism because they see, you know, you know, in this point about, you know, you know, racial, you know, equality that, you know, the far right white, <laughs> this is a weird way to say, it. <laughs> you know, they see black in their methods of, you know, trying to be an ally are actually seeing, you know, black people as a lesser, you know, race. And I mean, you look at it like in today's society in 2019, like I, you see a lot of that as well. But he also at the same time critiques, you know, the right as well. So, so I actually have this now, the Wikipedia article. Ooh. Um, so he, it says he also criticizes conservatives, describing them as fools who whine about the decay of traditional values, yet they enthusiastically support technolog- or, yeah, technological progress and economic growth. Apparently, it never occurs to them that you can't make rapid, drastic changes in the technology and the economy of a society without causing rapid changes in all their aspects of the society as well. And that such rapid changes inevitably break down traditional values. Um, yeah, duh. Like we get cell phones, and all of a sudden this becomes part of our culture. And right. We totally change. I mean, yeah, no, he's it, not wrong. Like in that, regard. these things don't exist in a vacuum, basically. Which is it, which is absolutely true. You know what I mean? Nothing. 
I, I've been saying that for, for years and years before this podcast, and I think a couple times on this podcast, nothing is simple. Nothing is completely independent. Like, everything is affected by something else, and everything has context and a backstory. Mm-hmm. And you can't make changes to, especially something as big as, and, and, and he's seen that. He's seen that in, you know, the 60s. Uh, you can't make such drastic changes to technology without completely altering the landscape of in his mind completely fucking the landscape but at the very least you can't do that without changing the landscape of society you know what I mean as a whole and this is where he starts like writing his manifesto so I mean they release his manifesto manifesto Correct, me, correct, correct my verb words. Manifesto. 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 Okay. Manifesto. Manifesto. <laughs> Holy shit. He started talking with his hands. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's manifesto. Okay. So the, a lot of experts believe that he was writing this manifesto from the late 60s all the way up until the late 80s. It's not something he just pounded out overnight. No, this is something that you know took decades yeah. to write. Because I believe it was like 35,000 words. Yeah. That but we know of. He had a lot of time in that cabin. They found books. Or like just notebooks upon notebooks upon notebooks in there as well. So I mean, this might have been just a condensed version. We, we got the Reader's Digest version <laughs> of his manifesto. That's what fucking happened. <laughs> the footnotes. That's right. Cliff notes. <laughs> the cliff you notes. You guys are too dumb. You won't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> he funneled it down. But basically, you know, he thought you know society's downfall you know stems from the industrial revolution, where you know technology kept progressing, and then you know human you know freedoms and. You know, intellect started to go down the tube with that. That reliance on technology, it was more of a detriment than it was an ally to human, you know, thought and progress. Yeah. I do, th- I, I kind of agree with him on that regard. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think because we have technology, because we all have cell phones and you have a computer, you have, and I normally have a computer in front of me, and you have an iPad yeah. <laughs> in front of you. <laughs> yes, I, do. I always forgot what they were called, but, you know, <laughs> we're all like so linked to technology. That we almost forget how to talk face to face, and I think you know we kind of be, we run into that wall now, like where we only know how to argue online. Where it's like, here's my conservative thought online. Like, let's argue. Like, we're gonna solve this shit right now online. Like, here's my liberal yeah. thought. We're just gonna constantly like butt heads. I feel like you know when you didn't have that wall of a computer or a phone in front of you, like, and you actually had to be in front of someone, and you know you didn't have to argue. Like, you could kind of disagree and be like oh that's what this person's into like whatever like they're more conservative that they're really into guns and i'm not that into guns or you know like um you know they're pro-choice and i'm I'm pro-life kind of thing you know like and that's just how it is you know we don't have to argue about it but But you can look that person in the eye and get like that emotion whereas like online or through text or im or a message board it's very black and white and you lose like that human emotion it it is very black and white and i think you know we've gotten to that point that we've where we're so like robotic in that sense where we have to answer everything in a black and white thing like you're either this or you're that and there's no in between and like you know i just saw a season sorry not that long ago and he did this joke about um this um this kid who like put a swastika on a pizza and then and then like some and he asked like hey like how many people have you how many people here thought it was a swastika or it was just an accident and some people clapped and they're like all right clap if you think it was an accident that it just kind of looked like a swastika and some people clap and then he's like well what if i told you i just completely made up that story that's a totally fake story and you just agreed to like this completely fake story but you wanted to be on a side to like your liberal bias your conservative bias went to these natural like reactions because we just want to be on a side now and like i feel like that's very like common now because we're so like desensitized we're so disconnected from our humanity almost because of technology mm-hmm. like 
And he was writing about this in the late 60s yeah. and yeah. 70s where it's just like we didn't have like the internet or, you know, the convenience of, you know, cell phones and whatnot. Like he was more talking about like, you know, working at 40, like Eric and I, like working six, seven days a week yeah. and then having that stress where it's like, I just need to decompress. I work like 10 hours a week. And then, and then like you <laughs> go home to de-stress and you just sit in front of the, the boob tube, you know, watch Johnny Carson and whatnot. And yeah, you kind of like. still alive. Yes. Well, I'm trying to make a 60s reference or whatever. And, you know, you just sit there and you just veg out and watch, you know, whatever is being sold to you on TV. And you just become a a, a rat, basically, in the the wheel. And that was back in the 60s, 70s, whatever. Like, now Mm -hmm. we're just, like, constantly, like, constantly. Every break that we get, every time we go take a shit, every time we're about to go to fall asleep, Mm -hmm. every time we wake up, phone, phone, right in front of our face. What's this person? What's 17 News saying about this? What's Mm -hmm. this constant bombardment of, like, losing ourselves, like, losing our humanity and in technology Mm -hmm. and letting, like, Wikipedia organize our thoughts or letting this Breitbart argument, like, all of a sudden, I believe what this person said. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Or, like, whatever it may be, like, I I think it's, I think he's kind of right on that end. Like, Mm -hmm. technology has kind of made us not just dumber, but like less human in a way. See, and it's not—it's not just like the Breitbart argument right there. It's—it's it's not just technology in and of itself. Because again, nothing exists in a vacuum. It's who is pushing the technology, who is behind the technology. You know what I mean? A um, puppet master, basically. I'm—I'm I'm not. You know, and his, and his big thing is not only are we letting technology drive us, but now these forces behind it, these big companies, these you know CEOs, and again, he's seen this all in the '60s. And you know, personally, I—I I, I don't know. I have a hard time figuring out where I stand because on the one hand, you know, I personally do not want like a huge government and stuff like that. But at the same time, I definitely don't want this world run by companies. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, I, I don't want, you know, and so there's there's at least not the way the co- that, you know, private organizations are, are, uh, are set up right now, you know. And, and I think that that's a lot of also what he sees is is not just, you know, the technology is is a symptom of the overall it's the tool. It is the delivery tool for whatever it is that the corporate overload, over overlords there you go, um, are trying to, to get across. You know what I mean? And um, it, you know why? Why should we? Why should we put our trust in a Breitbart or why should we put our trust in like you know some uh, Korean TV manufacturer or you know some you know company in, in Detroit that's putting out cars or you know why should we put trust in those companies just because their technology makes life a little bit easier. You know what I mean? And and realistically, that is kind of the contract that we're signing by by taking the ease, by by accepting these new technologies, by really jumping into these these new uh these new products, these this new way of life. It is it is a new way of life. Um, we're also saying that we implicitly trust whoever is making, whoever is designing, whoever is delivering those goods that we are becoming reliant upon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, some of it can absolutely be good. You know what I mean? We're talking about how, you know, the dehumanization of people and, you know, um, very complex points become black and white when they get down to 140 or 280, um, <laughs> you know, characters. You know what I mean? Twitter. But at, at the same time, you know, it, it's like, um, as as someone who is currently uh, uh, weaning off of antidepressants, um, I can tell you right now, like the mental health discussion has never been as rich as it is right now, and that's because people are becoming educated because more sources are there. 
Um, and that's because more, more people outlets. are, it's more and more outlets. And so you're, and so people are realizing that, you know, whether it be something like, oh, other people feel this way too, to like the completely other end of the spectrum, like, oh, this particular fetish isn't weird because like a bunch of people actually have this fetish. I'm not weird. I'm not yeah. alone. You know, this is actually somewhat normal and we can, you know, consensually and healthily <laughs> explore it and have fun with it. You know what I mean? And, and so things, things that are not, that were never a big deal. But always were con- perceived as such because they always happen behind closed doors, and everyone always felt alone. They're not feeling alone anymore. You know, it's not just behind closed doors. C- conversations are becoming more prevalent, and that's fantastic. But those conversations still are kind of few and far between relative to the, all of the other bullshit. Yeah, and I think that that's what. Uh, 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 Jim fucking saw. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just leaning into it. I fucking. do agree with him on that, and I think that we're relying too much on the bullshit aspect of technology. That we're not really thinking for ourselves. We're picking these like PowerPoint arguments that right, we find exactly. online on Facebook, just quick clickbait type arguments, and we ride that shit. Like we we find this one thing that we agree with, and that's the shit that that's the. That's the ship we're gonna sink with, no yeah. matter tribalism. what. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And if the tribalism already, if you come across, you know. A dozen words that so perfectly in your mind, yeah, and of course, you know, all this shit is somehow, you know, inspirational, or it is the future, or it is, you know, someone influential, or it is, you know, and it's like, oh, those dozen words that, you know, um, kind of sort of encapsulates what I'm thinking, I'm just going to lean into that fucking hard, you know what I mean? And you suddenly start to, at least on paper, become extremist. And I think that's a lot of what Kaczynski saw, saw was not only, like, like you said, you know, we're letting... Not only are we letting technology progress so far, but we're allowing it to kind Dictator. of drag our values along with it. And that's what he has seen. And he wants... No part of it. He wants the old way of life, for better or worse. That's a whole other argument that could be made. But, I mean, what he wants was the old school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he is willing to fucking hurt anyone else that he has to in order to get that point across. Nice segue. Because this... <laughs> about this. Okay, so he's in the cabin. We established he's in Montana. And, of course, he's making all these, you know, philosophical, you know, you know reasonings and whatnot. Uh, but he also starts something a little bit more heinous. Yeah. This is where he starts his bombing campaign. So from 1978 <laughs> through 1995, he basically killed three people and injured 23. And, and what became at that time, you know, as Tupac was still alive the largest and most mm-hmm. expensive FBI investigation in the history of the United States. This is the first time I heard about him. I heard him on, I think it was Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even think he had the name Unabomber at this point. No. But no. they did like it was, this. It was a postal uh, investigation at first. Well, yeah. like they um they did like this recreation of one of the bombs that he built. And it just looked like a, like a wooden block with like yeah. nails on it. And it shows like this like fat dude about to go pick it up. And he blows his hands off. Yep. And like I was like, oh fuck! And I remember that. And then like a few years later, that was like, you for life. Yeah, it, it was scary. Every <laughs> yeah, time I yeah. see like wood blocks, like sometimes I'm sure you've seen like some just shit just falls off a truck oh, or something like man. that. Unsolved mysteries in general was the scariest shit oh, ever. Dude. When we were growing oh, yeah. up. I still think of the Circle Bill letters. I, I am pitching that idea for like a year now. Of like I think I texted you guys about the Circle Bill letters. I think that is one of the creepiest stories ever. Yep. But anyways, 
I do think that that shit scarred me. <laughs> um, the, every time I see a wooden block, I just get freaked out. Like, I think that could be a bomb. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, do not send art two by fours. That's, that <laughs> is what I've learned. Don't Instagram me pictures of two by fours. <laughs> little, what are those little fucking uh, pieces of wood you have to put in, like, the door so that way, like, <laughs> they're straight? Oh, the uh, jam. The not wedges, jams. The, the door yeah, jams. The door jams. Door jams. Door jams. Wedges, yeah. Yeah. Door the whole doors. Hodor's. <laughs> That's all I know. All I know. All I, all I know from Game of Thrones for sure is if you say Hodor enough times, someone somewhere will tear up. That's all yeah. I know. I don't know why. I don't know what the context is. <laughs> My heart. <laughs> Anyways, this is how he got the name the Junk. He was initially called the Junkyard Bomber because yeah, it was just a lot of bullshit like MacGyver ass fucking bombs. Mm-hmm. You know, just made out of. I think one person said that the glue that he was using was like from the hoofs of like you know wild deer and stuff like that because that's how originally how yeah. what glue was it was like the it was from the gelatin remains of horse hooves or whatnot. yeah because that, that I mean that's why which by the way side note Elmer's glue I think it's fucked up that their that their uh, mascot is a cow yeah since you know your co- your glue your collagen your all that stuff is gonna come from fucking uh, cow and horse bones and hooves mm-hmm. and shit like that that that's kind of like a little bit of a fuck you just saying but yeah uh, so like. From the hooves of wild deer, uh, resin he would get from trees. I saw in a couple of cases, bark like, and yeah, all that. Exactly, yeah. that was his glue. Like, what was with the bark? Because I read that, and I'm just like, what is? Why is he putting bark into these? You things? know, he also used the, the name like wood. Like he would address it from like something wood. Every John Wood yeah, or John Wood, Tiger Woods, and like. <laughs> And because I think it was just like that obsession that he was talking about that he was off the grid like he was getting back to what Eric was yeah. saying like the, a, a more natural organic way of life and so like that was a prevalent part you know of his message because he wasn't just doing sh- he wasn't Rick James he wasn't just doing shit to do it I never just did things just to do them <laughs> <laughs> yes I remember granting my food and Navy Murphy's cows because he can buy another one but you know he had a theme that he, and a message he wanted to get out there so um yeah, that was, those were the initial bombs, and a lot of people said those were these bombs didn't necessarily like you know blow anyone's head off or anything. Like some people, you know, would have like nerve damage or you know have uh, shrapnel stuck in their skin or whatnot. Yeah. But as time went on, and you know, he would go to the local library and research these things a lot more. His bombs became a little bit more and more sophisticated. Well, the one that really like you know got him like national coverage was when he tried blowing up a plane yeah yeah and yeah that's the one where like the fbi got involved at that point now they realize like this is a serial bomber this is in like one-off kind of cases see the thing with the bomb on the plane and and kind of to go along with with you know what's the thing with the wood and like he would put one in there like uh he would put like fake like i think he put fp on the yeah. inside of one of the blasting caps like like somewhere oh, where it's freedom like this club oh, fc that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but he would do like a bunch of like in, in my research, it said that he put like a bunch of false clues, like you know misleading, I mean? clues. yeah, misleading clues. Yeah. And so he's so good at like you know, oh, this has to mean something. Like no, it doesn't. This dude just just throwing you off. That's it's a diversion. Yeah. yeah, it's a diversion. That's all. This. He was even so, so committed to it that like he like re- he said he had a special shoes. Like he would have like his size twelves on, yeah. and then he would superimpose like the sole of like a size eight, you yeah, know, exactly. converse on the bottom. Okay, oh. so it's so there's nothing <laughs> leaning back. Yeah, and so. He is so good, and he is so meticulous. I, I honestly don't believe that the bomb not going off on the plane, that the, that the the timer error. I don't. I don't think that that was an error. I think that that was him trying to prove a point, trying to get some attention, mm-hmm. being like, because because like I said, we he killed three people and injured twenty six, twenty three, twenty three over the course of uh, over three decades. Mm-hmm. 
and you're telling me that he's going to try to blow up a, a, a airplane and kill all you know 200 some odd people on the plane and they said that the discharge if it actually would have worked it would have obliterated the plane yeah and we're talking about a 737 or whatever those things are huge that you know? just that just seems like a lot more destruction as far as absolute unquestionable loss of life you know compared to all of his other bombs yeah and so i i i can't help but feel like that bomb on that plane and it you know the discharge not going off whatever the fuck i almost feel like that that was a diversion except instead of a diversion away from him it was a diversion to his work to well, people his still like got like um like they inhaled the smoke right yeah. from that yeah, one yeah, yeah. and all that stuff um, just really quickly, I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago when this podcast was first starting off, I was pitching all these ideas to Jacob, like, why don't we name it the Mother Puncher Podcast? Why don't we name it all these things like that? And one of the ones I pitched to Jacob was the Freedom Club. And I don't think Jacob ever got it. Like, no, it's like, Freedom Club. <laughs> this podcast zone was called Freedom Club. Oh, wow. <laughs> damn. <laughs> I'm glad we did not roll with that. Oh, damn. You would have made it. You would have made it on more lists. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know what I think about that plane is somebody on that plane had a praying mama. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, right. I know Art's gonna totally agree with that one. But I agree. <laughs> somebody definitely had a praying mama. That's oh, what yeah. was going on. I could see that well because I mean, this, I mean, something that would blow up a 737 or 757, whatever the fucking thing is or whatever. It's a huge ass fucking aircraft, right? That that's a pretty powerful bomb, yeah. you know. There's bombs that go off and don't even uh, fuck up a fucking Toyota Tercel. So, I mean, this is a powerful <laughs> ass fucking piece of equipment. That's an oddly strange and specific. I've never yeah, heard of Toyota Tercel. Yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't heard of it in years. And I, but, yeah, I don't anyway. work for. He worked for Toyota. That's right. Anyway, go ahead. And don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> we're moving swiftly away from this. But I, 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 just pay attention to the news, ladies and gentlemen. But this is where days. he went from. You know the the basically the junkyard uh, bomber to the yeah. Unabomber because at this time as well, like he was sending packages to you know university heads like yeah. at Northwestern University, University of Chicago, whatever, and he's blowing up you know people and they're missing digits now um, of these you know local universities in Chicago and you know Midwest you know, United States and even in San Francisco I believe, and this is where he gets the name Unabomber by the FBI. Well, now he it was a. They were looking at the investigation of the Unibomb, and it was the University and Air Bomber, yeah, and it was airliner the public airliner, yeah, and uh, the public or it was like the Chicago like Tribune him. posted something called like the Unibomber or something. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, they the FBI's yeah, that. the actual uh, podcast I was listening to that one of the FBI agents that was working on it, they said that you know this is how we would name cases, like it would get like an acronym, so it was the University and Airline Bomb, just B O M. And then, you know, when newspaper publications started to get a hold of it, they added the bomber. So it was like Unabomber. They so, made it sexier. Because, yeah. Because it wasn't even bomb. It was B-O-M. You yeah. Know, it was like, yeah. So it's, but I, I didn't know that. I, I, I always went like, what the fuck is a Unabomber? He didn't send one bomb. Like, what the, but now it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, that's I what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking <laughs> Uno and shit. Yeah. And, and I always thought like, it was always weird because a lot of different publications would, like some of them would just be Unabomber, but other ones, it would be like all in uppercase. Like, why the fuck is it all in uppercase? The Unabomber. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what the fuck? And I even like yeah. misspelled <laughs> it a couple times. Like, oh, like, I did too. Yeah. Like, unit, like unicycle, like yeah. U-N-I, U-N-I, like, it, like to me, like that's what I was like pronouncing it as. But then when you get the actual word this is coming from, is okay, the university and airline bomber. So that's where that came from. Yeah, which which is really cool little fact that I I never knew. Yeah, thank you. So, for, uh, one million dollar reward. We want to talk about that. Oh yeah, that's where this all came from. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Keep yeah. So um, it was. Let's see. Who was the? It was the FBI, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they set up a hotline. 
that anybody could call if they had uh, clues or whatever, and if they if uh, information that you know whatever person gave uh, led to his capture, they would be receiving a million dollars. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, there was like full time positions created to answer that hotline. Um, I just wonder what kind of stuff people were. I mean, <laughs> you got to imagine <laughs> for a million dollars, especially back then, like people were probably making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, My pastor, I, he was he, <laughs> the Unabomber. He was dipping people in the holy water. I believe it was bomb juice. It's like, you know, I, I don't think about this. Like, you know, I love you guys and all that. But, you know, if, if we were to have a particularly testy uh, text exchange, I might turn you in for a million dollars. You know what I mean? Not any, not any given day. But, you know, if, if, if one of you is annoying me enough, a million bucks goes a long way. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So it's about this time, too. Like, a lot of FBI agents start to get, you know, their careers off the ground. Like, it was surprising. Janet Reno was, like, the fucking mm-hmm. hot shit during this This time. was before Will Ferrell even got on SNL to make fun of her. But uh, John Douglas, who the uh, the series Mindhunter was based around, he got his career started basically from this case. Uh, well, uh, have you guys seen the show? Um, wait, Mindhunter? No. Um, Manhunt, mm-hmm. the Manhunt on Netflix. Yeah, that's uh, wait. Netflix. Did you mean no, did no, no? Mean... Mindhunter, the actual like show that was on Netflix, uh-huh. that's based upon that FBI agent. Like this, the, the it was based upon a okay. real FBI agent that worked yeah. on the Unabomber case. Because there's a show called Manhunter. Yeah, and Manhunter is about the about this case. Yeah, no, that's specifically about the Unabomber, but that's something totally different. Okay. But Donald Foster, also the guy that um, he does a lot of crime scene. Um, it's hard to hard to talk how how he what he really does, but he uh, puts himself uh, what really happened. Like okay, this was a crime of passion. This was a calculated you know mafia hit or whatnot. Um, he got he, he was the guy that basically um, came up with a scenario of the John Bonet you know Ramsey murder. Uh, he got his start from this case because he was the first person to say this is a highly intelligent individual who is from academia. Uh, he probably has like a lot of. Uh, papers written and whatnot this is not even knowing any of like the details of you know the case he was just like this is the personality and the fbi quickly dismissed it like no it cannot possibly be that it's you know somebody that's very handsome you know these are crimes of passion or whatnot so they were going for and what became you know that infamous sketch you know they look like a magnum pi you know with this (laughs) with this fucking hood up so my god yeah that that uh I it's. I'm not gonna say it's not sexy, but uh, it looked know, like it's, a it's, generic it's, white guy, though. Yeah, but a, but someone took some liberties with it. You know, they had the curls coming out just the so perfectly. And the, no. the fucking milk mustache. Looking it reminds thing. me of the kid from. I'm sorry, Keith. Well, he's in season two as well, but he reminds me of the the villain basically in you know Stranger Things, like that kid that's a lifeguard and he fucks you know the four year old moms and shit like that that drives a Camaro. That's basically what you're looking for. You're looking for like that jock. Basically, mm-hmm. that's what you're looking. You're looking for Magnum PI, you know, if this is what you're looking for. And then when you look at Ted Kaczynski, he can be more opposite of that. I don't even th- did Although, he- no early pictures of Ted Kaczynski. He was kind of a good looking man. Oh, oh yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah he agree. definitely was. So maybe he was a Chad back. In well, his day. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, even even some of the pictures of him after he got uh, uh, picked up and they cleaned him up, shaved him up a little bit and combed his hair and like like. He wasn't terrible looking for his age. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm not gonna say he was good looking. Maybe we all have different tastes in men. I personally prefer like the Brad Pitt and in Interview with a Vampire kind of looking That's guys. True. That's well documented. Yes, yes. Dude, he <laughs> just licked his lips as he said he that. Did that he was did. weird? That was involuntary right there. That was I'm so glad we. <laughs> I <record>. prefer <laughs> this is some LL Cool J shit. <laughs> boo boo for us bias. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> 
But anyways, this stuff basically starts, you know, the 20 year or whatever investigation of the case. So um, he starts to get a little bit arrogant, in my opinion, where he's, you know, he's sending these bombs out. But then he's also sending out demands saying, hey, I want you guys to publish, you know, my manifesto. Or he wasn't really calling it that. He was, I want you to publish my paper. I want you to publish, you know, basically why I'm doing this. And if you guys publish this. You know, all of, all of these things will stop. You know, all these killings and bombings and domestic terrorism things will stop because it wasn't just bombings either. Like everyone focuses on the bombings in his area of Montana. Like he would do things uh, too as well to like forestry industries and you know uh, places that would come in like real estate agencies and you know sabotage uh, you know building and deforestation. You'd put sugar in the gas tanks and whatnot. So he he, he was doing a lot of other stuff bef- besides you know, sending bombs. So, but that's the thing that we focus on because, you know, it's a sexy thing. But he basically said, he goes, hey, you know, the pride kicked in, that ego kicked in, where he's like, hey, I want my works to be published because I want people to hear my message. Mm-hmm. And if you guys do this, you know, all of this will stop. So it's about this time as well, about early 90s, you know, Howard Stern's popping up and whatnot. Jerry Springer's starting to get popular. Penthouse Magazine volunteers like, hey, we'll publish them. And, you know, Ted says, no, you guys aren't prestigious enough to have my works published. So, sorry, Penthouse, you guys couldn't be the saviors here. I was about to say, the nudie mag of record is not prestigious enough. I mean, it's a <laughs> fucking penthouse. Come on, you know what I mean? Well, that's because everyone else was saying, no, we're not going to publish you. Mm-hmm. And they were the only ones that were like, well, let's do it. Like, if no one else is going to do it, we'll do it. Yeah, and I, I mean, why not, you know, at that point? But at the same time... That ego was kicking in, like, no, I want a prestigious paper or or the Mayo Clinic or Lexus Nexus <laughs> or something to, to have that published for me. He he does. I mean, in his mind, he's still thinking about the dissertation he did mm-hmm. when he was at, when he was in graduate school and the fact that you know he is being told he he won an award for this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's being told that this is one of the most important document documents in mathematics history. Um, fuck, people are saying that you know there's only ten or twelve people at the time that could truly understand it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? He the, the dude. The dude doesn't put out bullshit. He's not writing the cat in the hat here. You know what I mean? He is, although that has its own fantastic literary merits. You watch your in my opinion. Mouse, or the cat in the hat is a goddamn literary genius. But, but, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy that who, you know, for his life's work, you know, in school, got all these accolades. So why should his life's work be defined not by get the same? Yeah. Why, why, why the fuck would he go to penthouse when he can be getting crazy academia rewards but really quickly you have to think about what was going on like at this point the zodiac killer had already sent like letters to to the uh like the san diego chronicle or whatever it's mm-hmm. called um so and and mass panic broke out during these time periods you know it's that if you give a mouse a cookie type of thing where yeah. like they gave him the opportunity to put something in a newspaper next thing he wanted he wanted everyone walking around wearing zodiac pins and anyone who wasn't wearing a zodiac pin was like next on his list to be killed you know and like mass panic was breaking out so why would you start why would you give him that why would you like Mm -hmm. let him put his manifesto on your newspaper and then politically yeah like you know we don't negotiate with terrorists you know this is pre 9-11 and whatnot and so like yeah that was the mindset of the united states at this time frame and Janet Reno, I'm glad you brought up yeah. Janet Reno. She was the attorney general. Not only yeah. was she the buffest motherfucker in yeah. the United States, but... <laughs> Are you sure you got Mindhunter on there? I'm still thinking you meant yeah. Manhunter. Mindhunter, baby. But anyways, let's not... Because he's the one who did the Charles Manson one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's, it was, that was before... Oh, I know that, but at the same time. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about Janet Reno now, okay? 
Anyway, so Janet Reno, the attorney general, whatever, her and the head of the FBI agree that, hey, you know, maybe if we publish his work, you know, somebody might be able to identify this and identify him by his writing style because it was very, very animated style. You know, he would capitalize certain words. And what I thought was interesting as well is he would misspell or have a lot of grammatical errors um, in his work. And they were saying, okay, this is very too on the nose. Another FBI agent, um, I was uh, listening to his interview on another podcast, and he was talking about this is also too where, you know, the forensics of examining. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry, my bad. Lit, lit off a bomb right here. That's it, man. You know, I got excited. Uh, the forensics of examining, you know, you know, writings, you know, literary works uh, came into prominence as well. Like this is, was the groundwork of that as well. So. Um, they, a lot of people were looking at that, and they were like, hey, well, if we release this, somebody's got to be able to uh, recognize these writings. And so it was about this time, you know, the New York the New York Times and the Washington Post simultaneously published, you know, this manifesto. And like I said, it was like a 35,000-word document, basically. And, you know, it detailed, you know, everything they were talking about. And David Kaczynski's wife, uh, Linda... David Kaczynski being his brother. I don't yeah. know if we said that. But. Yeah, David. I just Kaczynski. want to point out, I Googled it. It is a uh, it's Manhunter. Did you stop? Manhunt. What the fuck? Okay, whatever. Sorry. <laughs> <don't know>. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> originally aired on the Discovery Network. <laughs> Do you have the original air date, son of a bitch? No, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'll talk about the one on Netflix. But yeah, anyway. that, it, it's on Netflix now, but it originally aired on... Yeah, it's a... Ladies and gentlemen, our uh, continuity <laughs> director, Art Trejo. Anyways. That's what makes this podcast. The cool, wife <laughs> of, you know, the brother, David Kaczynski, yeah. uh, was talking to her, her husband saying, hey, that, that sounds a lot like Teddy, uh, the, the, this words and stuff. And so the interview I was watching with, you know, Dave Kaczynski, he was saying like to his wife, like, no, they, you know, Teddy would never do that. You know, he would never hurt anybody. He's a little off his, you know, rocker or whatnot. Yeah. But and I guess they had had a falling out or whatever. And uh, one thing that I thought was interesting that they would communicate only if something bad happened in the family. And he goes, I will not, you know, answer you. But if it's important, I, you know, put like an underline under the stamp. And that's how I know, you know, this is important. Otherwise, I will not respond. You know, like they had this huge falling out. I saw something about that, but I didn't I didn't fully register what the fuck that was. That is fucking deep because that because not only is that like, all right, I'm only going to listen to this motherfucker if you know if he does this this little symbol but, but like as the dude writing the letter it's like he's not going to read this he's not going to read this i'm not going to bother oh this is big i'm going to make sure because he's now he'll read it you know what yeah. i mean like and then oh, he fuck. said too he goes if it's not something to do with the family and you just send me some bullshit like i won't even you know answer anything that even has anything to do with our you know our father or you know a family member because right. i guess his father ended up having cancer and committing suicide or whatnot but um yeah, so he goes, you know what, Ted, Teddy, you know, he's a little bit off his rocker, but he would never do anything like this. And so I guess the story goes is like, all right, you know, at, and again, this is before, you know, the Internet. So they couldn't just pull up, you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post online to, to read the article. Yeah. They had to actually go down to, you know, the, their public library and, you know, read this because I guess, you know, libraries were starting to publish it and whatnot. And so they went down to their local library and they looked at the first four pages and David Kaczynski was going in it totally thinking that he was going to look at his wife and say hey told you so this isn't teddy you know you're just trying to put two and two together to make you know four and so he said he got past the first paragraph and he looked at his wife and he goes yeah this is teddy yeah for sure this is teddy and just put yourself in that because i just did like mentally imagine 
being estranged from a family member that you grew up with or whatever and Mm -hmm. figuring out like oh my gosh like this huge thing that's going on is my brother like Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine what that would have been like for him yeah yeah it'd be heartbreaking right because he grew up idolizing his brother he he grew up in the shadow of this fucking genius you know he wanted to be his brother he wanted to be that that smart kid in school and whatnot which again is, has to be even more fucked up because david is the older brother no david's the younger i thought brother. david was the older one david's the younger one yeah because teddy was the the oldest one because he, mm. he he talked about how he looked up to him Google well, yeah, it. He, hold me accountable, but right, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Google that. That's Googleable. But anyway, let's get back to Janet Reno and the fact that she can body slam William Barr. <laughs> How did she get so buff? I don't That's know. That's like that H G H Balco. Uh, no, but uh, so all of this, this all comes to a head from a tip from David. David mm-hmm. is the one that that kind of snitches on his brother. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, to go back to the the spoiler alert from earlier, <laughs> you know, which again was was brought on by his. Uh, his wife, Linda. Uh, his wife. And, uh, oh, 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 hold younger, on. Younger brother. Yes. Win for me. Yeah, David is the younger brother. So, it looks um, like he's about seven years younger, too. He's born in 49, and Ted, I believe, was 42. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, so that's even, yeah, yeah, yeah. super. I concede, I concede the point. But, again, okay, like Keith was saying, this is your, 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 your older brother that you look up to, this, this smarter than Einstein or whatever, and he's committing basically the worst form of terrorism. You know, mind you, this is a world before 9-11. Um, it, that, that's got to be a hard pill to swallow. And, it, and this you, is, Really quickly, you know who he looks like a lot? You know the guy that played the claw on Black Panther? Oh, He yeah. looks like that Gollum? actor. Like, at first Andy Serkis. Dude, I was like looking through his pictures. I was like, uh, why is Randy Circus on here? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. What the hell? Ted Kaczynski. Uh, Andy Circus, please play Ted Kaczynski in the next movie. Oh, Ted, good the lord. Ted Kaczynski is a Marvel. This is the lead singer of Imagine Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways. So um, all those pictures will be on Instagram. That, that's, uh, that's what I'm hearing. So. Uh, David, he contacts because, again, like Keith was saying, you have this situation where your older brother that you idolize is basically, you know, public enemy number one. So he contacts a private investigator and he says, hey, can you watch, you know, Teddy for me? Make sure let's let's verify this first before we even tip off the FBI. So he hires a PI to go out, you know, the wilderness of Montana to watch him. And, you know, he's just in the back of his mind. He's hoping, okay, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you were wrong. Hopefully you were wrong. Maybe it was just a student of Ted's yeah. that did this. And so he gets the information back from the PI, and it's like, yep, this is what he's doing. He's actively making bombs. He's going to the post office. He's doing this. He's doing this. He's putting little shoes under bigger shoes to make it look like it's not him doing all these like heinous acts. And David hires a lawyer, and he says, hey, before we bring this to the FBI, I want to present this so this way we don't have – a Ruby Ridge situation. We don't have a Waco situation. Like, I don't want, you know, because I don't know where my brother's mindset is at this time. I want to make sure, you know, this is handled properly and he doesn't die because David is a Buddhist and he's very much into, you know, the preservation of life. Yeah, and we know, we already know that obviously Teddy has all the stuff for bombs. Like, who knows what other stockpiles Mm -hmm. he might have. Like, especially at that time, no fucking clue. It is Montana. It is Montana. (laughs) Average gun count in a home is like 40 or something. (laughs) (laughs) And that's including, you know, the people who move from California who probably have zero. So, you know, for the the Montana people, it's going to be like... I don't Especially know. Back I, then. The guys that I know that moved from California to Montana, they they've already got guns and they're trying to get out. It yeah, depends. That's true. That that's depends true. what you do. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, Gavin yeah, Newsom trying to take all my guns, on my bazooka. 
but a lot of people in town like they said that they would hear explosions out there and they're like well i guess someone was just trying to get the sight yeah. right in the rifle yeah so it made perfect sense it's for montana it. it's not the south like what the f- it's not texas it's the entire other side of the state of the country dude all I'm, I'm what stop. do people from montana sound like yeah do it do an accent Keith. man i don't know i don't think the only distinguishable man. feature is that they don't say creek they say crick oh, okay yeah. Ooh, like, that's, that's how you can tell montana yeah how do they say noose Oh. <laughs> what? what? Noose. <laughs> a lynch, basically. Oh, there's there's, yeah, there's yeah. not a history of lynching in Montana. God yeah, damn. I mean, it's basically been all white people the whole it's time. A bo- as far it's, as I it's, know. On the, it's on the border <laughs> of Canada, eh? They're probably closer to a fucking... A- uh, uh, Canadians a- are relatively peaceful people. That's right. Unless you give them a hockey stick. Then oh, they that. will murder them. <laughs> they save all their violence for one night. <laughs> one night a week. And then they apologize at the end. <laughs> But anyway, so he's avoid he's trying to avoid like you know a siege situation uh, like Waco or Ruby yeah. Ridge or whatnot, and so you know they contact the lawyer who contacts the FBI on their behalf, and because I thought it was a little bit suspicious as well, like why is the brother you know taking so many precautions? But when I read that, like it only makes sense. Yeah, and like Eric was saying, like it he's creating bombs out there in the wilderness. You don't know if he's fucking Kevin McAllister and he has like all these booby traps and whatnot. <laughs> like you're, you're also trying to think too about, you know, the FBI agents that have to go in there, you know, risk their lives as well. You don't know what he's doing out there. I think he had some regard for his brother's life. Um, oh yeah, like, definitely. Like, yeah. He didn't want him to like commit suicide. So he wanted it to be very like humane. Yeah. Just like a, you know, they, they did it properly. They didn't just like go in there and bust down the door. Yeah, you know, just go. Oh, maybe they did do that, but well, they did the, the thing case. where they like knock on the door. They're like, "Hey, man, just want to check something like," and then they oh, just pull check, them out. Welfare check. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, I just want to see if you're doing okay. You want to come to the potluck tonight? <laughs> I got these cookies. <laughs> we got some. We got some pumpkin pie. <laughs> got you, you motherfucker. Get was that ground. actual actual like transcript of what was said? <laughs> they offered pumpkin pie. So uh, you know, you down for the pumpkin pie cookoff? You know, it's gonna be tonight at seven. Got you, motherfucker. Get on the ground. That's what it's like. <laughs> Arnold, and F- you, you got to be able to switch, flip the switch like that. This big burly <laughs> FBI agent with a fucking porn stash and all this stuff, but with like a, a blonde wig I, to make him look like the uh, a mother from next door. Like I got this casserole and we're gonna have pumpkin pie. I got you, motherfucker! Like all of a sudden, the, the pumpkin pie shoots out a fist yeah. and just punches him in the face. Arnold needs to play that <laughs> tell, part. Tell that or Patrick Warburton would be. Really there you go. That'd be awesome. <laughs> tell uh, tell tell the boys back at uh, uh, back at home that uh, they're. $25 million wig was a perfect disguise. That was it. <laughs> that was fantastic. We're putting our money into good resources, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> so anyways, he gets captured and he goes to, uh, it starts to go to trial. And um, this is where it's a little interesting to me because basically you have, you know, somebody that's killed three people. You've committed, you know, the biggest, yeah. you know, domestic, domestic terrorist of all time. And his brothers, you know, basically lobbying like, okay, we don't want him, you know, because this is this is to me, this is immediate, you know, death penalty yeah. right here, right? Yeah. And so he's lobbying for his brother's life, and so he has him independently, um, you know, evaluated, and a couple of you know, uh, psychologists, you know, give him a temporary diagnosis of uh, paranoid schizophrenia, and a lot of people in the media, you know, they're you know diagnosing him from a distance as well. You know, oh, okay, he's got you know paranoid uh, schizophrenia. And he has um, public defenders as well saying, okay, we're going to have him plead insanity so that way he can get out of, you know, the death penalty. And what's interesting as fuck to me is he basically wants to fire his... Everybody. Yeah, well, his he doctor. wants to represent himself at this point. He's well, yeah, trying the, to pull the, the whole, Ted Bundy move. But the whole reason why... Well, Ted Bundy did that because... He had he, a he background wa- in law. Well, not, not, not just that, but also 
one of the things was they would have to let him like go to the library to study and they'd have to unhandcuff him and so there is there is uh, a Imagine. situation with Ted Pundy where he actually did jump out of a two-story window broke you know sprained his ankle and was on the land for six days because they let him go in the library to do research because he was defending himself so there is like an actual plan for mm-hmm. Ted Bundy defending himself in in uh, Ted Kaczynski's case he he fires everybody because he doesn't want them to uh, Start that plea he's crazy. insanity yeah. mm-hmm. because if he does the insanity plea, well, his life's work is now shot. Mm-hmm. His he still is, you know, even if he goes away forever, uh, he's not worried about the death penalty. He's still worried about is his manifesto going to get out there, and mm-hmm. if and he understands coming from a world of academia, if you are going to put that much of a, you know a, a stigma on the fucking author of the the work, well, whether it's valid or not, the work is going to get blacklisted as well. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. yeah, and so he tries to dismiss his, uh, basically his public defenders um, for doing this. Um, it, the motion gets denied, though. Yep. And the next day, he tries to kill himself. He tries yep. to hang himself in his cell because he's like, you know what? He, I think he wrote in um, one of his journals that, hey, you know, when when I get caught, like he fully expected to get caught, I fully don't expect to be, you know, alive for this to happen. So he, yeah. he was ready for death anyways. Death was around the corner for him. So... Um, in his mind, like he didn't give a fuck about that, but his brother David was just like, no, you know, we can. He, he has that compassion where he's just like, okay, I want him, you know, to basically be around, you know, still to 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 know the errors of his ways. We believe in him, you know, to to be rehabilitated. Yeah. Uh, but basically, um, long story short, you know, it doesn't go to trial. He he gets a plea bargain where he said he accepts. I believe it's eight consecutive life sentences yeah. without the possibility of parole. And he is perfectly fine with it. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is, is, you know, he gets 23 hours of solitary confinement or, and he gets one hour, you know, out of that every single day. And the people, you could like Keith alluded to, you can still write him. You know, he has several pen pals and whatnot. And I think at one time, uh, the facility he went to was a supermax facility in Colorado he was also housed with the original bomber for the original 93 World Trade Center bombing. Yeah. He was also in there with Timothy Timothy McVeigh. And I guess they would all like, you know, they became really close friends until, you know, Timothy McVeigh was executed and whatnot. But basically, you know, this he was thr- he's he has been thriving in this atmosphere because for one, he's by himself. Right. He's able to read whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And he's still able to write and get his messages out there. And, and again, that's that's what it all comes down to. Is it comes down to what is what is the message? You mm-hmm. know what I mean. And, and like I said earlier, and we kind of mentioned this a second ago, like there was, um, I saw a lot of uh, uh, parallels between him and, and Ted Bundy. But again, Ted Bundy was out there trying to be a sexual deviant. He could not get off unless you know the female he was with was suffering and actively dying in front mm-hmm. of him. You know what I mean? And you know, even the whole defense thing, Ted Bundy really just did that as a way to. Get, literally get the shackles off so we can make a break for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's that self-preservation. That's kind of where things start to, the, the, the parallels start to break apart, um, diverge as it were. Uh, but you look at Krasinski, he, he doesn't care. He is, he is just a, he's, he's a prophet in his own mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would ever put it that way because that's, that's not quantitatively true. He's, he's definitely, whatever he is, he's definitely got the definition down you know, to the fucking syllable, exactly what he is. But he is just a messenger, and he feels that he needs that message to get across. And it is more important that his manifesto be accessible, and it's more important... Fuck, the fact that we're doing this podcast about him right now, you know, fucking... 
10, 20, 24 years later after yeah. 90, you know, after his arrest, after all that stuff, um, in a roundabout way, I'm sure he would be ecstatic about this. You know what I mean? This is the type of he, this is what he wants. He wants to be in the conversation and he wants, no, no, he doesn't want to be in the conversation. He wants his work to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. The narrative, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of, like, I didn't sit down and read all 35,000 words or whatever, yeah. but the basically the cliff notes of it or whatever. Like, you read a lot of what he says, and a lot of it makes sense. Some of it's some, like, fucking Black Mirror shit. Yeah, some yeah. of it's wackadoo. But at the same time, it's just like, whoa, like, this is some, some good shit. But at the same time, what we were talking about, some people that are so smart to me, the 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 phrase "the point of diminishing returns" yes. pops into my head, where it's just like, okay, at a certain point, yeah, you might be really smart about something, but at some point, it starts to fall apart. Yeah, he's. I don't think that there's necessarily mental illness, per se. Um, so I think he is capable of empathy, but that doesn't that doesn't register in his work. Mm-hmm. He do, he doesn't feel like he needs to to think of a better way to get his message across. He needs to be more understanding and more empathetic and try to be like, no, fucking people need to read this and people need to understand it. And it is ABC. It is XYZ. It is black and white. Mm -hmm. And people need to get to that point. And we can't coddle them. And that's kind of the point of his work anyway is the whole with the advancement of technology. um, You know, part of this advancement is making life easier and more convenient. And like, no, we can't do that. You know that's 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 a byproduct. We can't, you know, and so if I myself am going to try to coddle people to read my message, well, I'm in a roundabout way circumventing my own purpose. So people just need to be brought to attention, and if they're, you know, if if I hand it to them and they're not going to read it, well, then I need to do something a little bit more drastic to get their attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, you see it in the media all the time. Like you see so-and-so show up to an award show and wear some outlandish, you know, dress to some gala or whatever just to promote, you know, the new CD that's out or the new yeah. book. that You see it all the time, like, in, you know, cable news. You know, somebody will drop some bomb about the DNC, you know, who is that lady? And, you know, oh, it so happens that she's writing a book or somebody will make some yeah. kind of allegation against somebody else. Oh, it so happens that they're dropping a book as well. So, I mean, th- this, is a, this is a marketing tactic that's been around for ages but at the same time i think too it's it's a testament of that that old school uh mindset of what we were talking about you know when he was younger um he was described as perfectly normal or normal and then you know he was set into isolation you know forced to you know go through all these treatments and that dramatically affected him i believe yeah. uh it's called the the failure failure not what is it do 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 uh. Shit. But it's like with babies, it's like a failure to, um, you know, uh, fa- a failure to thrive. I want to say it is or something mm-hmm. like that. We'll just go with that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, we yeah. made a term. Yeah. yeah. Good job. But yeah, it's a, it's a real thing that like with babies or whatever, when they're not, you know, coddled, you know, when they're yeah. young, if they have like a very, you know, you see it a lot of times with crack babies, you know, the parents not there, you know, to show them love and look them in the eye, that, that, that humanity, that connection that, he, yeah, yeah. that, that, that he was talking connection, about. Yeah. Yeah. That art was talking about with like technology that is devoid of, you know, humanity. If a baby's not there to get that humanity, they become a little bit touched. So maybe subconsciously he recognizes what was happening to him as a child and is exercising, you know, that, you know, abuse basically. Yeah. Through his work, yeah, I, I think that's true, and I, I think uh, Kaczynski was uh, the first people that learned how to virally and marketably um, 
drop a bombshell to get his point across. Damn, nice pun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That you like that pause pun. beforehand? You like yeah. that pause beforehand? Just had to God really damn, that was a good pun. I had to drop my own bomb. Oh, all right. So anyway. But just not as long as it's not an Intro bomb. music. <laughs> I dropped the bomb on you, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> I dropped the bomb on you. No, but this is a very serious matter. Sorry, guys. So <laughs> you think, I, I, one thing that kept coming up as well, and I've you know alluded to as well, do you think this is a situation with MK Ultra where they took a, a very intelligent mind and tried to morph it to fit their own narrative? I think this is a situation of, I don't know if that particular experiment um, was MK Ultra, but I do think that sometimes whenever we um, we take someone who already has a pretty fragile mind and then we like try to fuck with it, you know, e- even like kids getting bullied in school, like you know, we don't know what their home situation's like. We don't know anything about that. We don't. Sometimes we go to work and there's always those douchebags that we work with, and they just say whatever because they think it's either funny or whatever it may be. You don't really know what their home situation's like. You don't know what's going on with them. Just because they don't talk about it doesn't mean it's happening. And sometimes we don't take that into account, especially when we're younger. You know, there are things that I regret saying. You know, when I was like. 26 and before i used to be some douchebag that used to just say dumb things online and dumb things to people and face to face and things that i regret doing now but because i didn't really know how it was affecting them like personally um and now i do now i kind of take it into account there's times where i rather bite my tongue and say something hurtful but i do think that we don't take that into account we don't take those things into account and and you know, like that experiment, like what was the point of that experiment? It was probably to get some grant or some shit like that. Uh-huh. Something like some illusion of grandeur type of situation. And I think that, you know, now we, st- we still have that. We still have like the internet gives us an illusion of grandeur. Like I yeah. put this motherfucker in his place. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, like three Horror. people are going to read that and they're going to be like, <laughs> like, or whatever, you know, like yeah. there is a little bit of that still today. And I do think that he was an early early result of something like that of someone else's illusion of grandeur of like put he was part of that experiment that like really shattered him at a very young age because when he was in college he was only like 17 years old yeah they're still like molding your person around that age and i think that you know he was he was a byproduct of that i don't know if it was mk ultra it could have been mk ultra but i do think that you know like being isolated from people of his age and you know like being shattered whenever you're such a smart person you come up with these very smart intellectual arguments and all of a sudden some like law degree somebody with a law degree like puts you in your place you know some like 40 year old who's been studying like how to create an argument much more than you have really shatters you you know like being rejected by a woman shatters you like all those things at such a young age will really like fuck you up for years you have to eventually see counseling and things like that I think it's more of a mental health issue. I think he was very smart and, you know, like we all kind of agree with little points of it. I do think that technology fucks us up a little bit and like, um, I think that, you know, maybe we should probably like like, take some time away from our phones sometimes. But, and I agree with him that I do think technology is taking our humanity away, you know, to a certain degree. Um, but what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. You answered it tenfold, baby. Yeah. Uh, I just, I think it's that. I think he's a byproduct. Was of, it MK Ultra? I don't think it was MK Ultra, but I do think that, you know, not technology, but other people had taken his humanity away. And, mm-hmm. and then I see, I see that so much more now with people my age that like refuse to like, like log off and realize they're, they're more to life, more yeah. to life. And like, people's emotions matter and people's feelings matter and things like that like i'll just give you an example like last night i saw a friend that i hadn't seen now in like six years 
but we're friends on Facebook and we used to be really, really, really good friends. And it was just like, damn, that's nuts. Like I, I feel like I, we're still friends, but in reality, like we haven't seen each other in six years. Like it's kind of a shitty thing, but I use the internet as a, like as a, as a way, yeah, as a way of to say like, we're still cool. But in reality, like I haven't done the, the human effort to like reach out to you and actually talk to you on a human level of like knowing what's going on in your life and you know what's going on in my life. But that's what I mean. Like I think it's it creates a false sense yeah. of I might delete closeness. my Facebook tonight. There you go. I, I got a <laughs> I got a buddy uh, who lives in Tennessee that I, I I go see occasionally, and I never catch up with him on Facebook. And I got a lot of people on Facebook that. Uh, I'm not even sure. Like they pop up, and like, oh, I forgot, I was even friends with you on Facebook. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know. And so it, it does create like this false sense of closeness. It's not really there when, in reality, if you want to, you can make an effort to keep those people close, and and to keep certain people, and and not to keep certain people close. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not like you're a bad person or a bad friend. You know, certain people just drift apart. You know, it, yeah. That's you know that's kind of what happened for all the decades and centuries before Facebook came around. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um. Anyway, I, I don't I think Kaczynski is a uh, uh, an MC Ultra adjacent victim. You know what I mean? Because there's there's a uh, Mickey Mouse Club. Is? Yeah, exactly. You know what Mickey I mean? Mickey Mouse Club, Freedom um, Club. I, because I mean, there's there are stories. There, uh, this is actually true. You know, there there were tests done on uh, the effects of LSD on dolphins. You know what I mean? And that is not an MK Ultra test, but that is kind of something that is three or four steps removed. You know, someone that was involved in MK Ultra and did those LSD tests you know taught or had an effect on someone else had an effect on someone else and then it becomes this thing it, this this not perversion necessarily but just kind of a derivative and i think that a lot of these studies that were done um this this uh, uh constant ber- uh, ber- uh, uh berating of this individual I, I, it sounds like something it, it's got certain hallmarks from what i understand and i haven't done a whole lot of crazy research on mk ultra yet but uh yet, yet. <laughs> but uh it sounds like it's got certain hallmarks but it, i don't think that it's like full-blown this is an mk ultra test but i do think that maybe it's involving someone that maybe is not directly involved with mk ultra but you know has kind of a lineage you know what i mean it's like in jujitsu you have your instructor who was who was a black belt of so-and-so who was a black belt and so-and-so and you can go all the way back to brazil like it's the same thing. Like the, the professors involved, yeah. The, it, the family tree is like it's it's it, the lineage. The lineage is MK Ultra. Around this time period, like the Harvard experiment. You guys are familiar with the Harvard experiment? Oh yeah 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 yeah, like yeah, they, yeah 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 yeah. Like oh. they put they put kids in like they have fake prison and things like Stanford. that. Like, it just felt like those Ivy League colleges were all just doing crazy huh? shit like this. Like and a lot of it had to do with taking humanity away from. People. Yeah, that experiment was definitely aimed at taking someone's humanity away. This experiment as well, and I I do think that. You look at like the way our military trains soldiers today, and not to talk shit about the military, you all support the troops and all, but like number one thing is like let's take their humanity away. You all have the same haircut, you all wear the same thing. If you like, if you can't make it, you're not. Yes, and yeah. I do think that there's a little bit of that. Like, how do we approach these people? Like, how do we talk to these people to the point where you stop caring about yourself and you all of a sudden. You are a part of a bigger collective. You take someone's humanity away. Like, and that's exactly what he what he was. He was no longer... He didn't care about himself. He cared about his message. And yeah. He cared about making the world better. Because he didn't care if he lived or died. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Keith? Do you think he's MKUltra? I haven't researched MKUltra much, but I know about these LF, LSD tests. Uh, John Malkovich and Red, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, 
Man, I don't have a lot to say. I think Gary V would disagree that technology is about. That's what I've been thinking about. Is like I can hear <laughs> Gary V right now. Like, technology doesn't screw us up. It exposes us. Uh, <laughs> well, who's Gary V? That's not wrong. You don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? No. Oh, he's like a big social media guru, um, positive speaking. He's a he's a businessman. Basically, he's an entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. since entrepreneurship is cool right now. He's yeah, a hustler. He cool. He's a hustler that's using social media to get we'll, we'll get him. We'll try and get him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Friend okay. of the show. We'll see if we can get Gary B up on the show. <laughs> but anyways, um, great topic, Art. Again, yep. you're hitting a thousand this last like uh, oh, thanks <laughs> eight weeks. I gotta say, yeah, you really pulling yeah. it. So thank you for this because I just thought he was just some crazy guy that appeared on fucking America's Most Wanted. Now I'm like, oh shit, I need to read this manifesto before yeah, I die at 45. This is the dude in aviators and a fucking hoodie. That's him. Yeah. That's it. All right, and cool, I think yeah. if I'm not wrong, the movie A Beautiful Mind might have been inspired by this in some way. I guess. I guess I in a way, like he was super smart and he started going ape shit. Yeah. He didn't kill people at the end, but yeah, I don't true. know about. I thought A Beautiful Mind is a true story. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's based on an actual person. Yeah. Yeah. So this is another instance. Maybe we'll look at that. But yeah. Yeah. This is another instance of that. But anyways, with that said, we are approaching the two-hour mark, and Ooh. I feel it is only appropriate. Tell your mama you move too. There you go. That we Shout start wrapping it up. Oh, there reminds me. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren has has said. I don't. I told you personally, but I'm I'm putting this on the record. Elizabeth Warren, uh, Papa Pixon, has said that when the time comes, if you need a night out, she's more than happy to. Uh, Go on babysitting duties. You know what I mean. So I need that in writing. Okay, there it is. Well, hey, it's here on the podcast. It's, it's in. It's, it's, in <laughs> it's audio. better than writing. That's right. For posterity, when they have the obelisk to us on Mars in three thousand years. That's right. Uh, that's you're still gonna be here about this shit. But yep. All right, so Eric, you want to bring it home? Yeah, I, I just want to uh, real quick say thank you guys. You know, uh, I've been gone for actually I haven't been gone. The reality is all these great interviews you've been doing the last few weeks. Uh, it's all been me. Surprise. You know, it was all me. Just <laughs> Every doing, episode, my voice. we just still do voice. the Elizabeth Jackman, Elizabeth <laughs> I Warren. I know, I know. Like, I mean, yeah, I know you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's part of canon. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I've been, I've been gone for a little bit, and uh, I talked to the guys beforehand, so just so you guys know, the, the cacahuates out there, the millions and millions of cacahuates out there, um, I am going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast. I'll be in and out here and there as I can, but, you know, keep an, keep an eye out. You know, I think... Uh, Jacob, whoever is doing the the liner notes, will will make it a point to put out. You know, hey, Eric's here for this one. You know what I mean? But you know, I got some personal and professional stuff I got to deal with, and unfortunately, I can't dedicate the time that I would like to to this. You know what I mean? So uh, you know, I love all of you uh, except for you. You know who you are. If you if you quit, you don't don't you know. But the rest of you, you're all fantastic. You know what I mean? Um, so thank you all. Uh, love you all. Uh, send me nudes, please. Uh, and you can send those nudes to E.B. Castillo the first on Instagram. Uh, you can send uh, uh, stuttering Ben Shapiro to Art over here at send Robots. Me pic- pictures of wood, just two of by wood. fours. Just two by fours. Just two by fours. Don't by do wood, we're not talking about morning wood no, either. We're talking about two by fours. Hey, I, when I say nudes, you know, if, if it's got to be wood, you know what I mean, or whatever, you know, nude uh, animals. We can start work. somewhere. We can start somewhere small. A pinky toe. I've been saying it. Just the, we can see where we can go from there. You know, I'm not. You know, just saying. Um, you can uh, get Jacob over here. He has his own personal account, but he doesn't really use that that often. So Jacob over here basically is at Art Jacob Do America on Send Instagram. Send hate mail to Jacob. Yeah, because uh, I won't read it. Good old Keith over here. Keith is a Keith Dot Silvis. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Correcto. And uh, you got yourself a, a book as well, correct? I do. Wow, I'm getting a plug right now. For that's my book. right. Yeah. Oh boy. And, it's, and it's, it's been out for a little bit. I've it's got a copy out. on my Kindle. Very nice. Oh, yeah. So but he will. Yeah. So it's called From the Ruins. It's a cyberpunk sci-fi type story. Very short read. And uh, you can pick that up on Amazon. Author. It's great stuff. I've got, like I said, I've got it myself. And you're also working on your own little uh, 
a project that you know we'll, I'm sure we'll go into a little more detail later you know but yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's in the works but Keith.Silvis to keep up on him uh, once you're done with all of that you can go to Facebook and join uh, the Art and Jig Do America uh, group um, you can uh, like the Art and Jig Do America Facebook page um, you know what I mean if you think we're doing good let us know if you think we're doing bad suck my left nut you're not good enough for the right one um, but you know you can offer suggestions memes all that stuff join the great conversation then you can go to YouTube and you can go to youtube.artandjacobdoamerica is that right there's yeah. a slash in there somewhere just, just search Art and Jacob yeah. do just America and all of these all of these do get up put up live on YouTube as we're recording them as they're recording them over the next little bit and we're also on Facebook live but you know YouTube that's really where it's at because at some point I'm sure they'll give us money um, once you're done with all of that, go to Man. iTunes. Uh, we're not on Stitcher, actually. Fuck them. They want social security numbers. Uh, you can go to Spotify. I use Pocket Casts. Use whatever podcatcher of your choice, and you can find Art and Jacob Do America over there. Um, and after all that, then for me, especially since I'm not going to be here a little bit, you know, please make sure you go to notdeadgetapparel.com. Uh, discount code EB Castillo will get you 10% off and do a lot of great stuff. You can get uh, jujitsu gear. You can get rash guards. You can also just get bomb ass t-shirts, sports bras. My girlfriend and uh, the, 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 my, my comadre, they love their sports bras uh, from notdeadgetapparel.com. Um, you can get just bomb ass t-shirts, water bottle stickers, gi patches, the whole bit. Great stuff. And they do a lot of work towards a lot of good uh, efforts. Uh, human trafficking awareness, breath cancer awareness. They have a whole fuck cancer line of clothing. That's all great stuff. So notdeadgetapparel.com. E.B. Castillo at checkout for 10% off. And then once you're done with that, you can head over to FightBackCBD.com or FightBackCBD on Instagram and on Facebook. And they are our primary sponsor. Uh, They do 100% small batched organic THC free CBD. This stuff is made in the great state of Texas. They will ship worldwide, except for Canada. Canada, it's not their fault. It is your government's fault somehow. God damn it, Trudeau. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how that worked out, but for some reason it can't get shipped to Canada. But everywhere else, you can get high-quality, independently tested, Iran. organic Uganda. CBD. Uganda. For our Jakardin, for our three Jakardins, Eeny, Meeny, and Miney, our three Jakardin listeners, we still need Mo. Find us our fourth Jakardin. Um, you can get it there as well at fightbackcbd.com. And when anywhere you get it, you use code AMERICA, and you will get 10% off from fightbackcbd.com. I take it daily. I take it daily. It works. Yeah, just I, saying. I'm waiting on my, my next batch. I'm um, not right now. I'm waiting we're, on it. So. We're trying to set up some kind of giveaway thing probably in the next month or so. Uh, it's kind of been my fault. I've been trying to set up all these interviews and things like that. I've been lagging on the Fightback CBD. But we're trying to set that up. So, so yes, we coming will. soon. Yeah, That's so right. if you Fightback CBD, it'll help you with all you do. Just take two drops under your tongue and it'll have you feeling tip top, Magoo. So, anything Ooh. else, you guys? I think. Uh, shout out to uh, Magoo. The rapper and Timbaland, Timbaland. Please and get Jermaine Dupri. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pam from the office. Thank you for bringing Jim in, and uh, this podcast would not be capable. This episode would not be capable without uh, Jim, John Krasinski. We appreciate you. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, my man. Uh, I still kind of want Buzz Aldrin drop dead because I said he was dead that one time when I was wrong, and I was kind of hoping that I'd have that podcast Fool, power. He's gonna to live forever. You know I mean? We like, ate that moon cheese, and that shit's got him living until two hundred. Right? Oh, so. that's true. All right. Anyway, I think that's about it. I think that's so, all right. With that said, everybody. To, uh, oh yeah, we're, we're uh, Temple of Brewing Company here in Bakersfield. We're drinking your Under a Blood Orange Sky tonight. This is delicious. Brewing Town, good stuff. With that said, so there it is. So with that said, everybody, drink beer and don't drive. Have a good night. Good night. Love you all. Be good out there.